Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 26th of April 2020. And of course, we're still mainly all here, I think, eh? As I said before, you pinch yourself in the mornings Because if you really, really believed in all the incredible hype that's going on You'd have to pinch yourself, you know I guess somebody else to pinch you, perhaps Maybe you can't trust yourself Because that's the whole message of it now, isn't it? That you can't really use your own common sense and observations Your rationality isn't allowed anymore Facts don't matter Facts really don't matter when there's big agendas at play And I've lived long enough and true enough, big agendas are parts of the same the same long-lasting agenda, actually, in different parts, part one, two, three, etc., to know that there's a massive agenda, pre-planned, getting ran through right now. I'm sure most of you already know it, too. You can always tell when there's a big agenda on the go, because it's generally the same agenda uh, under different guise, a different excuse to ram it all through. And we've Seen this already, of course, with the beginnings of it, the, the, real, the real rumblings that happened back in the 90s. I've mentioned this before, when uh, Bill Clinton was in. There was a big change, and uh, a lot of messages went out to the American people especially, because now you had the events televised. There's a big telev- When you see televised extravaganzas, there's a big message behind it for a change, you see. And uh, I can remember a lot of folk getting shocked when the Oklahoma City bombing went off and nothing made sense again. And, of course, you had different uh, explosives experts on different shows trying to to figure out how this particular kind of blast came from a a fertilizer bomb inside a, a van. I think it was supposedly parked outside of it. Whereas the direction of the blast just didn't seem right at all. And it took them, I think, a couple of years before they they found a part of the van to prove there was a van there. And it was apparently lodged between two buildings. They had noticed it before. But uh, this is how, this is kind of stuff that goes on. But out of that, it was was so interesting because you see that they tried, Bill Clinton had tried to get this anti-terrorism bill through back then. And at the time, they didn't have all the wars on the go. You know, that, that you, now it's normal. The, you know, I, I came out along with the new normals. I came out with the phrase, and of course, everything's getting new normals all the time now. And it didn't make sense, this whole Oklahoma City bombing thing, especially when <laughs> it's true enough, the characters in it had much the same names as the characters in the book. And... The, the getaway guy was caught eventually in a car with similar uh, things on him that found in the car too, uh, according to the characters in the book. It was, it was like a script, really. And then we find out too, sure enough, the CIA, uh, I think it was Clancy, uh, some of the books came out under, came out and admitted that years later that they handed a whole lot of books written, already written by their teams for uh, this, this uh, publication, actually, under someone else's name. So, yeah, you're living through incredible times when you have such in- manipulation. You can't fathom it. It's just overwhelming when you start digging into it. And years later, I've always said this, you find out the truth years later when different uh, uh, things are declassified. Uh, very important. If you live in a free society, which is a novel joke, of course, 
But if you lived in one or even a democratic society, which is a part of the awful joke, then you would obviously have the data at the time. You couldn't keep stuff back from the public. But of course, the whole point of government is to keep everything back from the public as uh, for as long as they can. And after 20 years, 30 years, folk don't really care. The next generation's growing up. The, the other generation's so burned out uh, with with the financial collapses and everything else that goes on, wars, etc., that they, they have no time to be bothered anymore, and they're ready to die eventually. So they always go for the next next crop of youngsters to get them into wars. Was, I used to wonder, in fact, I thought, you know, the timing between World War One and Two was 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 amazing because after World War One, they had pretty good uh, film made at the time of groups that sprung up trying to stop another war happening like that. It was it was such incredible mass slaughter. Uh, that people were in shock for that generation, what was left of it. And these little cenotaphs went up to every little town and village across Britain with all the dead. Sometimes whole families were wiped out, quite common for the men to get wiped out, father, sons and uncles and so on. So it ended, supposedly about 1918, and... But really, uh, within 20 years, with another, another crop of young you know, bodies to fill the uniforms, they have another one. You, you couldn't really plan this any better. And of course, the, the second war, and the top, the top journalists of the day, the ones that were still honest enough anyway, who attended the Paris conference and, and uh, the, to do with the Versailles Treaty and all the rest of it, and the divvying up of uh, all the uh, the losses and putting it all on the backs of Germany. The top ones said, the top uh, writers from the Times and different papers said that uh, this will probably lead to another war because Germany will have no option but to fight its way out of it. In other words, they couldn't, they, they collapse and starve to death if they, you know. And if that wasn't prophetic, I don't know what was. Um, but again, 20 years later, you, you get the same thing happening again. Didn't have to happen. And there were a lot of different people, even even in the House of Lords in Britain, that, that said you got to just forgive this debt and write it off to, to and write the experience, you know, for the experience that you had of what happened and uh, the, the terrible disaster and suffering that caused. So, uh, of course, that was thrown out the window and the big bankers got in the act and and uh, again, that, that the good movie is quite good in some ways. We've got to get the book too, the, the non-fiction uh, book <laughs> of 19, perhaps 19, of what really happened. Because they did actually put a bunch of bankers in. They brought them in. It gave the, the, the reins to, to just go to town and, and uh, divvy up the debt. And, and, and no doubt for a lot, of, a lot of it came their way as well, all the, the rewards. But everything's so corrupt. So corrupt in human societies, you can't get truth really. If you if you did get truth, um, I was going to say pigs might fly, but again with the genetic engineering, who knows what they'll come up with next. But however, again, it's just astonishing to watch all these incredible wars, and you can't. You you, you this they go on about conspiracies. When you see what the lengths that governments go to to get the public riled up to go to war, it's no different than this COVID idea. Uh, massive, again, Colonel Quigley went through the, the records from a, the group that is behind a lot of it, 
the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs Dash Council and Foreign Relations Group. And if they're private, he was a private, he was a historian for their private collection of true histories. They have their own version of it because they've been so involved, all the way from the, the Jamestown raid, which they, they rigged for South Africa, and the Boer War came on home. They've been behind so much of this kind of thing in creating wars to, to get change, you know, plan change. And if that isn't a concert, conspiracy, I don't know what is. And quickly published a lot of the stuff in Tragedy and Hope and an Anglo-American establishment book. He, he went to town on it and, and let a lot out of the bag. And he was all for the, the whole thing, the idea of creating wars to get what you want for plan, a planned future, you see. But he did go through the scenario for bringing on World War II when the, the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council and Foreign Relations Group, and um, Dash Asian Pacific Council Group, because they have the groups for every block of the, of the planet, the blocks they, they created in regions. And the, they said that a, a board meeting with all the, the, the big moguls who owned the media, all the media at the time, they all, they're all part of it in London, and they decided that the only way to get the public on board, they're so lethargic uh, and, and wary of war after World War I and, the, and, the, and, of course, the Great Depression, right? <laughs> There's just a continuation of, of it, and it was part of the problem of it too. War, wars create incredible debt. So they, they, they said, what, what to get the people on board? But by terrifying them. See, terror is a great... I mentioned it before, years ago, like the 90s, the talks on terror and how it's used to, to get the cattle running and stampeding. And once you're doing that, you get a few horses in the front with riders on them who can steer the direction of the herd. And if you let them rest for a minute, they'll want to stay for a while. So you keep them panicked and keep them running in different directions, but you decide where they're going to go. That's how the simple technique is. You're all going to die, and everyone loses their sensibilities. You see? Happens all the time. So for World War Two. The group uh, met in London, the, the, the Magnus and Moguls and all the rest of it, and the media barns, and they decided to terrify the public and tell them a lot of lies. And that's why everybody in Britain had to have gas masks. They were told the first thing that, that uh, Adolf was going to come over and gas you all to death. And they had massive stores of gas all made up, which is all a lie. They knew it was a lie, because Germany too was under incredible observation all, all the time from after World War I and uh, terrific inspections that you wouldn't believe, and the old idea of treaty, 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 etc., as it went through all these disarmament projects, etc. So anyway, they would terrify the public, and it is massive air raids, massive air raids would come and kill everybody, and, and they're going to come in and sterilize all the males, and uh, naturally the males weren't too happy about that one. And uh, they stopped digging the trenches in London when they got heard that news because they said, my God, you know, maybe I should gird myself or something or should just dig the trenches, you see. And of course, what would your tre- trenches if you could get bombed from the air? <laughs> they, they didn't stop to think about that. They were so terrified. But they pay people to do all this work. You see, you always get people in the front. You, you get the, the, the public relations experts on board and you put them to task uh, with plans. And uh, and you'll find the same things happening in today, but all the dancing folk at the hot. Got nothing better to do than dance. Is that the? Do you really, are you swallowing all this stuff here? Hmm? And the, the ter- they must get a terminology of war going too, when you terrify the people, so you get the you're all going to die, 
uh, they, and immediately they point to the enemy, the culprit, you see, getting you ready for it. And uh, and out of the at that time back then, you didn't have much in the way of news except the radio, apart from the newspapers. But the radio was your your for not television so much in Britain, and you you, you found that. They, they would bring on people who, who were spokespeople from the military and people who were still in the military are getting well paid to give out propaganda. What the terrible things are going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as they say that, and Hitler was quite right, Adolf Hitler, he said, to get the people on board to follow the party, the Nazi party. He wasn't creating a new idea. It was well understood in the revolutionary circles. He said that you must terrify the public uh, the communists did the same thing. The communists would terrify the public, and any aid coming to the public, like food or anything, uh, for the poor, uh, was to be cut off. And, and they'd even kill the people delivering the stuff in the communist countries because they wanted a revolution. So you must get everybody so as miserable as possible to, to take part in it. If they're getting fed, they're not so miserable, you see. And, and folk never stopped to think of this kind of thing. That they just see that the initial results. Uh, which are the, the faces and the stories, oh, you're all going to die. Yeah. And, and they're going to, you know, take that little thing that they generally use for the, for the, for the male uh, cattle. And, you know, you, that's what you're going to get in Britain and elsewhere. And, and oh, my, what, the people were not too chuffed about that one. So, yep, they went to the Digna trenches and they, they admitted in their own records and Quigley said it too. He said, this is all bogus to terrify the public, to get them on board in preparation, get them psychologically ready uh, to obey. If you're running and fear in a hole, but you'll run right into the military when you're told to, and that's really what happened. The same thing happened with 9-11, of course, when you saw all these young guys volunteering, really believing uh, that, that a few guys that couldn't read or write in caves in, in Afghanistan had, had done all this by themselves. It's astonishing. And, and again, back again to Bill Clinton and the Oklahoma City bombing and the big changes that were happening then, he tried to get through this emergency terrorism act. And they had the meeting in, in the Congress uh, uh, two days, I think, before the bombing or something. And it was turned down. The people didn't want it. It was against the Constitution and all the rest of it. The incredible powers it would give people to look into everybody's lives. And the wars hadn't started yet. You see, although Bill Clinton and his whole reign there had been setting off every day so many, maybe a dozen uh, cruise missiles into parts of Iraq nonstop uh, all over the place. And uh, that became just another new normal, too. Um, so they were trying to get it all going. They knew it was going to come because they kept goading and goading and trying to get it going. Uh, so anyway, you had the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, which was exactly what the FBI had been prouding on about, because the FBI and a few other so-called watchdogs, private groups that are very self-interest and very powerful censor groups, were blaming militias at the time inside America, and, oh, big threat they could be, blah, blah, blah. Because it, there's, there were so many attempts to start take, taking away rights in the Constitution. So that's why a lot of the, the militias actually got reformed from the old Cold War groups. They got reformed again. They saw what was happening. And for those outside the U.S., and even inside it now too, 
they don't realize that that was a tradition inside the U.S. all through the Cold War. And so much so that Hollywood used to make, put little episodes with, with the Hicks. It's always the Hicks and Hellbillies, eh? They really hate people outside the cities, especially in the South. They really hate them. And they, they put the, the comical uh, scenarios of the of the, the country militias into their little supposed comedies that were generally pretty ridiculous. But that's what was done. So Clinton, again, uh, as I say, uh, trying to get that through. Well, about two days later, bingo, you had that bombing. Oklahoma City. And before the next couple of days was, was, was over, that same anti-terrorism bill that had been tossed out and, and, and voted down was rammed right through. You see? If they don't get what they want, they, they just make it happen. The scenario happened, and that's it. About the same time, a bit later, not about 1998, was it? Or I can't just remember exactly. Alan Rock in Canada, who was Attorney General, another appointed person for the government, for Liberal government at the time, I think it was. But anyway, Alan Rock, whoever, whoever they're all the same men, he'll be serving the same masters. And Alan Rock uh, put through pretty well single handedly somehow this anti-terrorism bill for Canada. And it was called an omnibus crime bill, but when it was analysed, it was a pure anti-terrorism bill. So they knew what was going to come down the pike. And uh, they were getting all, giving themselves the powers and legalities to get it all working when it happened, you see. And then Alan Rock, Rock went off to work at the United Nations in some capacity or other. It's amazing to watch uh, these characters that get, you know, I don't know, even know if he was a, a voted in anything. He was always appointed. Most, most of the appointees are technocrats. That's, that's the, the names they're given, technocrats. The same ones that they're, they're trying to push Bill Gates as a technocrat, someone who should have the power, they claim, to get things done practicality, with practicalities because uh, he would disregard what the people want. That, that's a technocrat, you see. You use them in times of war, supposedly. And they're appointed. So Oklahoma City came and went. So they got what they wanted there with that part. And then in Bill Clinton era too, uh, they had uh, the Waco incident, which was a government going after a, a small group, really, uh, who had a, a, a house in an area where they met and some of them lived. And they even had people who belonged to this group, this religious group, which is quite lawful, even though it's hated today. All religions, all Christians are religious, are hated today because the people who have been brought up in the public schools, you know, the general schools, have been trained to hate it. <laughs> so uh, uh, they don't realize what they've lost because now they, have, now they have to listen to scientists, you see. That's the new priesthood. So anyway, uh, I think it was David Koresh was the leader of the group. The, they want, the FBI wanted him for some reason or another. And they could have had him any other day because he used to walk into town himself, by himself. But no, they wanted a big show for the public that the cameras ready. They even trained a, a, a group to swat him, and uh, a FEMA grouping it was, an FBI. And they went in there all gung-ho uh, and, and smelling the cameras and the whole thing to see their pictures getting taken. And they got to the door, uh, outside the door there, and when they yelled, the, the door opened and the FBI immediately opened fire on the people. And so naturally you had a standoff as the folks started firing back. It was really an amazing thing to watch. What a ridiculous catastrophe of cowboys who'd been brought up with an era of force as good. 
with all the stuff that was on TV, all the TV programming, uh, uh, force is good. And uh, the black clad uh, guns, you know, this is, I, I went through, talk, gave talks on it, so this is this, the black outfits that they now wear and call themselves police or the executioner's colors. That's why, that's what it always symbolized in law down through the ages. Ask anybody from Europe. Uh, and uh, the hangman would always wear black, you see. Uh, that's a sign. It's not a, a pleasant thing. A policeman shouldn't be wearing black like that. It should be. He should have the blue shirt and the whole thing on, and be approachable by the public that he's supposed to serve. You know that that's something that's been forgotten. But anyway, um, that around the same time they were bringing out the black-clad policeman. That was all the movies, too, the fictional movies, and you see them stalking through houses with a gun in front of them. As though they were like walking mosquitoes with a proboscis sticking out. Uh, that, that's one after the other, like machines rather than people. Getting the public used to what was to come. Britain went the same way too. And so we could tell this was organized. Uh, see, the, the, it's always, the future's always planned by those who have the power. And it's the same group that continue and their offspring take over too. And that's why nothing really, uh, really drastically different happens. They, they get their agendas through planned agendas for every generation but the same folk in control and so I did the talks in it then too about the Waco thing and uh, of course they had a big uh, massacre of the people, they brought tanks in as well and, and with flamethrowers and uh, burned the place down too with lots of people in it and children on the orders of Janet Reno at the time, this strange looking character she was like a a kind of woman, woman, a female version of, of Lurch and the Adams family. I'm not kidding you. I mean, this this is a, this person really seemed to hate humanity. The media tried to praise it's a great thing, and you saw as the fire was getting was burning, and and the tanks were running around the tops in case there was anybody underneath there, just flattening anybody who was maybe still alive. It's just, this was all on TV and filmed. You, you saw the big ring of these black-clad agents around the fire, bowing to it, very very. Symbolic of the occult, of course, naturally, which most of the public are not quite uh, aware of, unfortunately. All on film, though. So that was the, the planning. And, and at the same time, too, they went after uh, another couple, too, some guy that claimed was in some kind of white uh, 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 religious group. I don't say supremacist because I don't really think they're supremacists at all. I think there's so much, so many threats about people now from different ethnicities that every ethnic group has got their spokespeople. And I don't see why this white folk should be any different. Why should they be? Hmm? And and the white Christians too. It's up to them. And and the U.S. they're allowed their religion, or supposedly. But but again, that was a big move towards coming down against religious freedom for Christian sake. It doesn't matter how, how, how weird they might seem to you or different or whatever. The fact is, under the law, they're allowed it. And if, you, if they're going to kill you, uh, then something's happened to the law, obviously. And the message is loud and clear to people. And because of that, these events... The militias got their backs up. So something's going on here with and all these black-clad forces wearing combat gear going out against the public. Very symbolic indeed, very very scary scenarios. In Canada, they, they tried to introduce it more uh, easily, in a sense. They had Initially, they had 
they had cops dressed in, in military combat gear, but wearing the green type camo. And they'd have little things. Oh, they were rushed out into Toronto and so on. And you see these guys with their MP5s and, and so on. And, uh, but the green gear on and, and smiling for the cameras and posing and all that. Get used to this. Get, get used to this. And people were saying, why? Why? What's going on here? There's no terrorism here. And, but that was all how, that's how they introduced it in Canada with lots of publicity and, and apparently like f- they were responding to fake shootouts and, and stuff. Nada will be there and yada, yada, yada. And then they put out teams of the same guys uh, wearing black combat gear with their pants, the, the, the combat pants and everything. And exactly the same as the States, getting used. To, and they, they even had it in the newspapers. I dug up, and I kept all the hard stuff, the actual paper, I cut it all out at the time. This is going to be history, you see, down the road. When folk don't know, in 20 years' time, they'll say, well, where did all this come Well, here you go. This is how it all started. They mean, it wasn't always like that. No, it wasn't always like that. And uh, so that, that team sort of journey, four cops, dressed in their smart new uh, battle fatigues, in their combat boots, all dressed in black, all smiling, like just like guys, maybe they even work, you know, got models, who knows. But they were, they were in the papers. You see, you might see them walking down your little streets and little village and the towns because this is they're just showing you the new, the, the new smart outfits, etc. But black folks is ominous. It's meant to be ominous. And that's why it symbolizes death, you see. And that's what it's meant to do. Getting the public ready to fear, to fear, to fear authority. Very important, fear authority. Anyway, that, that's all happened in the 90s. And because of that, uh, these militia groups and across the, the U.S. Uh, sprung up. And uh, some of them already were in existence, apparently. But uh, again, uh, you had different groups inside the states. Uh, awfully interesting. To Carl Quigley talked about his groups. Now, or the groups that he worked with. Again, he had the Council on Foreign Relations uh, as a historian. And he took over from Alfred Zimmern. Zimmern was a communist who, who ran the Communist Party in Britain one time, and, the, and it's only communist newspaper. But he was also put in charge by the Royal, Royal Institute for International Affairs for their, to their own archives, again, their historical archives of events as they saw it since they were involved making the history. It was really astonishing, eh? And quickly took over and he got access to that for a while. And he also had access to the U.S. branch, the CFR. So that was tied up by Pratt and this wealthy family who were part of it. And, of course, Rockefeller was a big part of it, too. And I think chairman for a while, too. And then um, vice chairman. And also they started up the trilaterals eventually as well, quite, uh, in the 1970s or so, in the trilateral commissions. I, I know the first, they first came, got prominence with uh, Carter, but I'm off the topic, I'm just prowling here. You've got to understand that, uh, now they use the word proactive, you know, we're proactive, we're, we're being proactive about well, meaning they're planning for the future. And that's what these big groups do. They make the future. They, they, they bring it to the desired outcome of any conflict since they start the conflicts. And they guide the conflicts, the true Hegelian dialectic. 
of uh, thesis, antithesis and synthesis, you see. You, you come out with a planned synthesis. You can't get it going unless you have two opposing sides to start with, and then you argue out to bring out your, your, your conclusion, which you wanted in the first place. That's how it's very simple. But most folk don't know that's how the world is really run, and it's still ongoing, very intricately. I mean, you, you don't, with the internet today, that really gave a massive boost in the fact. Before it was all teleconference, they had definitely they had telephone conferences and stuff like that. And they, they, they had the internets too. The internet in the 90s was nothing like it is today, except for the wealthy elite. They did have their teleconferencing then too for the upper crusts and so on, including the bureaucracies that could converse with bureaucrats in other countries and bypass the politicians, which was something H.G. Wells talked about back in the... 1917, 18, and 19, for the League of Nations. So therefore, you're through this planned agenda, and most folk never know, because you're too busy to know. You've been trained to be, to be naive and very ignorant. It's not your fault you're ignorant. My mum used to say that to me too. But, this, but yeah, you're, you're really brought up to be ignorant. And believe what you're told. Why shouldn't you? Every child, every mammal looks to the adults and the adults show it what to be wary of and what to be wary of and what other species to be wary of too. If you don't get it from your parents because they've been brainwashed and kept naivety too, then it doesn't get passed on to the children. And then schooling takes over. Like Jacques Elal talked about this too, a philosopher, and he said the same thing. He says it's very important for any state, any government, to ensure that the children are given their initial indoctrination at school very early. If they don't get that very early at school, then when, if they get it later in life, they've matured enough to, to see through the indoctrination as, for, as to what it is. So that early indoctrination uh, is awfully, awfully important. When I went to school the first day, I walked out of the classroom. I was only in it for 15 minutes. It's the first thing I noticed, and a woman is awful nice, the teacher, but uh, she, she says, now we'll all clap hands, and I thought, why? Why? I don't want to clap hands. I'd already played in the streets, my, my pals are in the same age, and we don't sit and clap hands or something like that, like, I don't know, it just seems silly. And uh, and they clap, clap hands and stuff, and faster and faster, I said, what in there, what is this? And, and to me, I, from, I honestly have always had it. I've looked, I've looked at adults that pretend that they're children for the children's sake. It's ridiculous. Because often the children left at their own devices won't do that kind of nonsense, you know. Really. So I, yeah, I walked out the first day and I went home. But I went, I walked first and, uh, and, and it's a bit of the country there. It's quite nice. But, but that, that's what you, you find. You, you, uniformity is awfully important. You're trained to be uniform. And as time went on, of course, back in, in the 90s again, that's when it first started coming. Suddenly, this teacher union is incredibly strong working with the United Nations and Department of Education and, and UNICEF and, and so on and um, UNESCO. All these groups work with the teachers, all of them, to create a uniformed, dumbed-down public for a global society. That's what it's about. And then they brought in schools in the 90s and in 2000, uh, this idea of groupthink, you see, for children. 
And uh, the idea was, that you, you see, one time if you thought, if you really were able to think and put out something interesting in school, you get a little gold star. But I mean, they gave gold stars too for just being a parrot. And, uh, and, and so again, you're, you're being acclimatized to, be, to conform by being a little parrot. But in, again, the 90s and, and in 2000 onwards, it got worse and worse because they didn't want individualism in the school. They didn't want anybody to excel, really. You had to be un- uniformly flat. And, and, if it's, and a lot of it is social engineering about topics and, and social engineering about different, different things that have nothing to do with your basic education, you see. With tuition today, they use groupthink for the children. And I've read the articles and the teachers' uh, toolkits, as they call them, how to train children to give them standardized opinions. So the whole group eventually uh, it bonds together because they go along in their goody-two-shoes and they're given lots of little rewards. And, and children want to please adults, etc., especially if they're younger adults, especially if they're female. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And they know exactly how to, to pull it off that way. The, the children see still have an affinity towards the mums, mothers, and if you get a female teacher, as Bernays would say, it actually helps again uh, to indoctrinate them that way by the same teacher. So the toolkit says to them, you know, how to get them in a group and how to put it across, how to literally nullify dissenters who don't put their hands up, go along with the topic, or the or the agreements that they come to in conclusions on the topic. And they even come down to shunning those individuals. And again, I stress individuals who who have a contrary outcome of the discussion and they don't go along with the group. They actually have techniques to shun them. This is what's been happening in the schools for years and years now. And that's how you get a uniform, uniform opinion, groupthink, as they call it, amongst the people who grew up to be adults. And they never really change out of that same groupthink. If the official version comes along, uh, they'll go with it. That's how it, it works. So they changed it from basic education and then into social engineering and, and how do we get on with each other and what do you think of so... And then they brought on the Marxist theories too across the entire Western world, really, uh, where, you, where you to, uh, no matter what topic you were on, how, how, how would it be to a person living... Uh, uh, of a different whatever it happened to be in the year 1700 in this country. How would they see this happening? Well, I don't know. It's, it's bad enough trying to figure out how the average person would see that uh, from their point of view. Except it's, it's, quite, it's not that hard. If you're a peasant, you're a peasant. It doesn't matter what else is going on, really. If you're a peasant, you really don't give two hoots about some other, somebody with a little, little different whatever happens, because you're too busy trying to survive. Hmm? They didn't have the massive income taxes then uh, to fund the, all, all these different things that, that you never thought about and never would think about ever, unless it was drummed into you. Anyway, that's what education's about. And then you give, histories used to be nothing but dates, times, and generals. And who won? They never went into who, who plundered uh, the country's assets, which is really what it's all about, economic warfare. Eh? Like Tony Blair. Tony Blair literally had the oil guys in, uh, divvying up Iraq before they invaded, they invaded it. He admitted that was in the papers. I've got all the articles here still. That's what wars are really about. 
and who's going to dominate? And, and the wars for Britain, it wasn't Britain. What is this corporation called Britain? Because the people themselves, even the guys in the military who fought it, and sort of the ordinary soldier, they got nothing out of it. But the, 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 this massive clique inside London, intergenerational, eh? And the big merchant banks, which they represented too, mostly, that's the merchant banks, you see. And they were the same, same families who owned the banks, who appointed each other as governor generals over their, their, their colonies, as called, to places like Canada. Canada's a dominion, still a colony, and Australia, New Zealand, and, and even India at one point. A good chunk of it too. And a few other places, which they haven't given up. But it, it was all for, and it, it, so it really it was a massive business enterprise for these families, using the country as their own private army and all the rest of it. So you have to stand back. You don't know when you're going through it even, you know. But uh, a lot of the guys in the military did all things for the right thing. They had the right ideas. They thought that your country couldn't be wrong. It's all built on a faith thing. Your country couldn't be wrong. Uh, because we're so nice and good, aren't we? Yeah, all countries think the same thing. But... Uh, Again, before that, in the 1700s and the 1800s, it was mainly up to them. It was pretty well mercenaries that uh, fought, and mercenaries were were just killers. Yeah, hired killers. So that's what they were. So yet they put on this new covering of the good, the good society. You see, and you had a regular army with a uniform and made them tidy and all that, and and, and punished them if the customs wore too much in public, stuff like that. The old mercenaries didn't care. And uh, and they had their own gear and, and their own clothing and all the rest of it, the old mercenaries. So you don't realize that we are living through, again, as part of an ongoing program. And Britain lost most of its colonies and everything else, and its wealth, in fact, for the general public, because of the two world wars. And the U.S. was to take over from it, which it did quite happily, because the same <laughs> bankers that ran in and ran the U.S., and uh, a lot of their families actually moved over to the U.S. Uh, from the big, the big group in Britain. Long stories anyway, but what I'm, trying, what I'm trying to say here is you're kept in a state of fear and panic your entire life because they give you financial collapses. It used to be, I used to always say, you give you at least two massive bank crashes uh, every century, at least two, sometimes more, with uh, many ones in between as they plunder you, you see. And they have resets on the cash value because it's backed up by nothing now. And has been backed by nothing for an awful long time. So they have what they call resets by the big, by the the World Bank, another private group created by the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And they created IMF, the same group, and and uh, the Bank for International Settlements, all privately owned. But they, but uh, we pay for a lot of its upkeep, by the way, public private. So. You're living through a system, you're living through a system. And by the way, modern China was set up by them as well. China didn't uh, have, have the cash and the know-how to even set themselves up. And the West brought in their students. Often some of the countries paid for their students to be trained into engineering and design and all the rest of it. And preparation for the coming industry, which eventually was all given to them. Uh, under free trade agreements by, again, the Royal Institute for International Affairs Dash Council on Foreign Relations, who set up the, the whole GATT system uh, with the World Bank. Free trade, that's the con of it. 
So, so we're all living through their system and under their system. And they, they, they prattled on an awful lot, naturally, about what would happen. What would happen if they ran out of wars? They even had that. How would they rule the world and, uh, and keep people in peace and order in a, a world full of fear and war? Massive meetings about international meetings by the same group. And, of course, they created the sustainability groups. That's why you, you have people all working together. The, the big philanthropists, the Council on Foreign Relations came out with it quite a few years back when I was on the radio. And I read the articles then. I said, the, the CFR has now uh, put big pieces out. It's time for the philanthropists to come and take their proper part in governance and governing the world. Well, that did not kind of clash with the, 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 you know, the joke of democracy. Of course it did, because it was time to try to bypass this idea of democracy. It served its purpose. Uh, it achieved so much, these big powerful groups that own the world, by using wars. But now it was time to try to get the whole planet together by international laws and treaties. And then have a war on the general public of the planet. You know? So that's what's happening today. You see, make it all happen, bring you all together again uh, after, again, war, fear of war, diseases and bank crashes and all the rest of it, and reset the economy, a new economy. Uh, the the, the, the Maurice Strongs of the world who worked for the Rockefeller Foundation group and the global, they're all globalists, remember. They're talking about the same one bunch of globalists who own the wealth of the world, they own the big tax-free foundations that are multi-trillion dollar enterprises that fund all the NGOs out there, these myriads of armies of non-governmental organizations and give tremendous uh, wages and salaries to the leaders of them across the planet to shape society and, and the direction that the owners wanted to go. And the general public, again, because we've been trained to be naive and awfully simple-minded and pleasant, we're all pleasant people, most of us, and most of the time anyway, and agreeable, you know, and law-abiding and, and yada, 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 uh, uh, used to, up until very recently, have work to go to. And when you had work to go to, you had a purpose. It gave you purpose and routine, and it made you feel a bit independent, and uh, you, maybe, yeah, you'd watch a good chunk of your wage getting taken off you to go and pay for all these NGOs and things and and all the other parasites that live on you. But but, but on, on the whole, folk would, would, would give them a sense of responsibility or a feeling they were in charge of something, even their own routine and income. And that's been taken away from you now. Because, you see, the articles I used to talk about years ago all pointed towards the Maurice Strong type articles and the, this biodiversity treaty and the Rio Summit for Sustainability and a future world where you, you'd be post-industrial, uh, which happened with the give all China, media service economy, and, and now you're, you're, they call it interdependent on other countries. No, you're completely dependent on every other country for everything you need just for basic survival now. You've been com this is total war. Your ability to defend yourself, even feed yourself, has been taken away. That's, that, they should be called being conquered folk. Have you figured that out yet? Hmm? <laughs> 
So here you go, Murray Strong talked about it, a post-industrial, and then eventually a post-consumerist society, and then big articles out by the same people who pushed all uh, the global warming uh, ideas, then they changed it to global cooling, then back to global warming again. And then it's just, it's just climate change. Same groups, exactly. They were to go into, into a, a post-consumerist society. You wouldn't be out shopping all the time uh, in a post-consumerist society. Well, guess what's happened, folks? Hmm? Can't you tie things together? Same groups who are bringing through the same agenda with their all-going-to-die idea who are fudging all the figures shamelessly because, you see, they must get this through. This co- You're not supposed to ever go-, to go back to any kind of normalcy because you wouldn't listen to their sustainability thing, you see. You wouldn't just allow yourselves to be ruled by local officers of the, the new type of KGB or Stasi and be guided by experts who would tell you how to eat and when to eat it and what to do and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what you're doing now, folks? You can't go and shop. You can't go in this. How long have you been out there? An hour and five minutes. Here's a $2,000 fine. Well, I'm a slow walker to this grocery store. That doesn't matter. Then they go through your stuff. That You bought something that was non-essential. You got yourself a chocolate snack. What a crime, eh? And you're treated like a little child by idiots. Idiots. And don't you think for an instance, these guys who are dressed in black who are treating you like a child, are not the same characters that, that I used to talk about would put you in trenches if they were given the orders, folks. Remember the Milgram experiments and things like that? Huh? Hmm? Remember? Oh, they'll do it. If someone gives them authority, an authority, if someone in authority gives, tells them to do it, they'll do it. That's been proven over and over with all kind of testing. Don't think it's different today. Don't think that. I, 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 You've you got to look at some of the authority figures they've rammed out for us all to, to obey. And they're all the same, by the way. With the same agenda at the top. I mean, they've all been handpicked and sworn on into it like a little club or brotherhood or sisterhood or just a hood. Huh? Have you noticed that they, they say exactly the same thing? as each other. They say the exactly the same thing as the World Health Organization, which is apparently the, the big communist control system on behalf of the rich of the world. Because Quigley said that. He says, well, he said people often accuse us of being communists at the Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute for International Affairs. He says, because we, we, we have members who, who are communists, members who are fascists and dictators. We don't mind, he says, we bring anybody on. Because, you see, they're all on board with the same goal. And they all seem to benefit mightily from the same goal, mind you, no matter what they pretend to call each other. But that's what you do. Now, here's something you've got to get through your heads. The techniques are used, like 9-11, you know. They get together in their little quiet rooms and they decide on, an, on what they're going to tell the public. That little, it's all written out for them by teams of guys who worked for, for marketing companies. So they come out with weapons of mass destruction 
And one after another of these people at these meetings, the politicians and the little higher clique, you see, they're interviewed by, by media as they're walking past. Well, they say, well, I can't speak about it, uh, except the enemy are using weapons of mass destruction. You see, weapons of mass And you hear over until you're sick of hearing it, because they wouldn't tell you anything else. Because if they're all sworn, and I mean sworn, and you better understand that the high groups are there, just like that, the high occultic groups, when they swear on something, it's no different when the Masons swear on something, it's the same thing, you take that to the bank or the grave. And they all swear together on it, you know, that this is what you'll tell the public, and they all, and without an exception, they'll say exactly the same thing. So you're not talking to an independent uh, representative of government on your back. You're talking to a robot, folks, who, who's sworn to. Well, it's the same thing uh, when you go into to, to this uh, thing right now. The heads, the, the communist guy, the head of the, the world, the WHO, and he is communist and very well looked after by China, by the way, and always has been. Uh, but he's communist, he's not a doctor either, and he's telling you how to behave, what to do in the whole bit. And they're, they're talking with this authority for obedience, disobey them, you see. And of course, he knows all the other groups in the CDC and so on, and the, and the National Institutes of Health in different countries. And they all have the same parrot line. And the ones they they come on TV, they're making stars, all say exactly the same stuff, just like weapons of mass destruction. And they're built up into star status. With when you go into their histories, all you'll see is PR pieces of how wonderful they are. And they're, they're names you never heard before. They were made to be like star quality. It's kind of like Dr. Oz and TV, same thing. A, a guy who himself, by the way, kind of came out, had shares in vaccine. He's always pushing vaccines. But in an interview, I'll put the link up too for you. Watch if you want to believe it, to see for yourself. Um, but he said, he was asked that if his own children get vaccinations. He said, oh, no, I don't get them vaccinated. It reminds me of the German one, of one of the flus back in 2009 or 10. And they were trying to rush through a vaccine for all the people then too. And, and folk did get sick with what they came out with in the West. And the German, the whole German government representatives refused to take it. They said it was dangerous. <laughs> well, but they wanted you to take it. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Articles I read last week, and I'll put them up again from the Department of Defense talking about um, the fact that some of the, the flu vaccines that were given to the troops was making them more susceptible to coronaviruses, other coronaviruses. Huh? I also give you false positives for other ones, you see. But again, you're supposed to be right on board with it and listen to what you're told and be a child and watch the whole future, the whole future, where you, at least you had some rights left after 9-11, although you're spied on like crazy, as if they go the whole way now to even chip you and tattoo you before you can get out of your house. Huh? Well, this is the time, you know. This is the time that where they, they separate the sheep from the goats, obviously, because you're talking about the end of all free will and free thought. And the whole agenda for sustainability is getting rammed through at the same time. We're not going to allow any businesses to open up unless they're sustainable and green and yada yada. No. Really? 
We, they say we. Who are these we's people? Because of the same groups that, that, that are all funded by the same philanthropic organizations that have decided to take over the world. Just like Adam Weishaupt said a long time ago, by the way, through philanthropies, he said, he says, we shall end up ruling the world because it bypasses all other authorities. You can't complain about someone who's just doing good, can you? Until they end up on top of you, telling you what to do and, and locking you up for eating a bit of... <gasps> Hamburger. Mm-hmm. But then again, you can always lie when you're when they, when they catch eating that little bit. It's kind of as tasteless anyway, mind you. But you can pretend you get a little imagination in Canada. We've better imagination than they have in the states. We would imagine all the time. This is really good meat, you know, if you can get it. But you can't anymore. But you can always say it's, that you're a scientific uh, stasi. You see. That's what it is, it's a scientific stasi now. Monitoring everything you do, say, think, or whatever, or, or you're going to think even, according to the predictions of Facebook and others. We've, we can pretty well tell what they're going to do, you know, or think, or say. You know. And then they tell you if uh, go and vote. Well, if they already know you're going to vote for, I guess you can just do it automatically. Yeah. We should probably do anyway. But yeah, like your, your, your scientific stasi. And uh, and said, well, that you know that was that was that was natural meat. It was grown in a lab. One of these lab meats, you know, like they're making in Holland there, and they got big, big, big money for growing this this this, this synthetic stuff in a lab. You see, you lie, lie your teeth off. You see. And then again, if they send it off for testing with with the same test they're using for testing for the COVID, they won't know if it's positive or negative. You know, if you're telling the truth or not. So there you go. Now, before I get really rolling along, I should remind you that you could help me out too by donating. If you go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, very important to you list all the official sites that I have listed on the cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. Because anything can happen as we go on here. We really are now a form of tyranny, and the big boys themselves and gals, uh, they're definitely... In their tensions, intentions are really uh, all the way now. And you're going to see wartime powers used on dissenters across the board. That's what they're going to do. They talked about that even in their practices, the Johns Hopkins uh, pandemic study, along with Bill and the Gates, when they had their, their big um, exercise last year. They talked about how they'd have to come after people who who would put out conflicting information to, to the official authorized information that they're putting out themselves from the very top. So remember to list all the sites I have on my officials in case anything happens to any of them. You can hop on to the next one, hopefully, and and still get my talks. And to do so, to remember, you can help me out by donating to me at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And it tells you how to do it and the methods to help me tick along here because I've been putting out stuff for many, many years and I don't charge for the website. And, of course, everybody uses it. And you find, too, that all the, a, lot, a lot of the different hosts use it, too. And people investigating for articles or even books, in fact, uh, use the information there. So it's nice if you mention me once in a while, uh, which few folk do. <laughs> but, uh, but you can help me, as I say, tick along by sending a buck or two my way whenever you can. It certainly helps me out. But we're, we're living in a war, 
This is a war, folks. It really is for everything, every part of the future. Worse than any other war we've ever had before. The scientific tourney that Bertrand Russell said that he would endorse and he hoped uh, out of all the tourneys for the future. You know, but, but like the basic fascist type, the basic communist type or whatever. He said, of all the tyrannies, I, I would prefer it be a scientific one. Well, that's what you're under. Science is the, is the, 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 the cover for all. And here's something too. You, I gave a talk, this talk years and years and back in the 90s. Don't knock. Don't knock something that protected Peasants for centuries And I'll say well It was your, your religions Oh we've seen the movies I'm not talking about movies I'm talking about real history, real things that happened eh? The movies were, were, were poison To make sure that it was poisoned in your mind Forever and ever eh? But religion Was a big nuisance And you read the tyrants That, that were promoting this system we're in now Like H.G. Wells And all these non-fiction books and, and he said it. He says, we've got to destroy religion. Same as the communists. They've got a lot in common. You can see how it all ties together with the same group uh, that Quigley was talking about. We have them all, tyrants and fascists and, and communists and communists and blah, 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 blah. Dictators and so on. Because, you see, the, the CFR and Royal Institute for International Affairs is all about rulership and keeping command over millions of people. And they, they, they financed, yeah, they financed, this is no doubt about, they financed, helped to finance the communist revolution or the Bolshevik revolution. And they studied it and, and quickly said, too, they, they were fascinated to see how it would work out, a big, a big experiment. Oh, that was an experiment to them. And the same thing with, with Germany, Nazi Germany. They were all for it for years. So thought, this is terrific, you know. How they, everybody obeys them and they're all happy looking. Because the group that runs us, one is all miserable and, and, and it's hard to look happy, isn't it? So we don't get such good propaganda that they had back then. However, be it communist or fascist, and the present uh, supposed atheistic scientific socialism system we're in today, they all have to destroy this basic idea of Christianity, especially for the West, because that's what they had mainly, was Christianity for an awful long time, many, many centuries. And however rulers wanted to rule, they always, it always got in the way of their rulership, because you couldn't, you couldn't just go out there and, and slaughter people without some come back from the church, at least, you know. And... Uh, yeah, you always had corruption of all sides, blah, blah. And, and even in, in England, it was, was pretty bad for it too because it did have uh, the noble, noble families who ran everything. And some would, some would go and become knights and go off to war for the king or whatever and, and pillage and plunder and rape, all for the good of the, of the king and the crown. And, but other members of the family would, would get sent into the priesthood. But they lived awfully well, and they were anything but saints. But that's how they ruled for an awful long time. However, uh, it, it, there was this, this, un, it, this understanding of uh, a god, you see, a god. Believe it or not, but a god uh, got in the way so many times, always, as to what the elite could do to the people. 
And it became really bad. The church had to step up and, and interact on, intercede on the people's behalf many times, you see. And they couldn't go the whole way of just mass slaughter at times against the public. So it was a, a double whammy at one, uh, you know, it, it, they were run by the same people generally, but they had a lot of, of ordinary priests come down from the, the lower ranks and, uh, and they had some compassion for the people too, obviously. And they didn't live any better than the people at that time. Often worse, in fact, some of them. But it gave the people some something something to stand up for them. And once they understood that, uh, especially when education came in, basic education came in, even the 19th century, once folk understood what it was about, they could use that like a law. You had the law of God. See, the law of God is different from the laws that the scientific groups are pushing today. The, the law of a God gives you rights. That they can't, they can't just go in and change things because you've got rights. And it's, it's fascinating to me as a stand back. I can stand back from everything and just watch it and analyze it. And it, it actually gave human life a value, a real value. Awfully important that. It was the very thing that Julian Huxley talked about demolishing this idea of humans on a pedestal, feeling superior to other species on the planet. Says we have to bring down their expectation of, of what life has to offer and what life is for them, the human people, because he was going to go into depopulate. That's what Julian Huxley was all about. He was a Bill Gates of his time and, and Planned Parenthood and the whole thing, you know. And he's no lover of the ordinary people at all. But God gets in the way. Even then, God got in the way at times. It's an awful nuisance. The communists talked about it, an awful nuisance, because again, they, they were only ruled by expert rule, scientific socialism. And, uh, and the people, if they'd been steeped in Eastern Orthodox traditions, were an awful nuisance at times uh, and stubborn, you see. And H.G. Wells said that, he said, if we eliminate the family unit, all the communist ideas, it's strange how all this, it's only one group with British lords and all the rest of it involved in it, like Russell, <laughs> and communists. Because it's one club, you see, with different branches and different names, all like different kinds of specialized sheepdogs, all bringing the world into the same big sheep pen. All the different factions and types of sheeps all in the same pen. That's what you do. And so they all said the same thing, that they'd have to demolish religion. And Wells was quite very straight about it. He says, that way, he said, then we, scientific socialists, when we govern, just with his pal, of course, uh, Bernard Shaw, uh, George Bernard Shaw, he says, he says, uh, he, he said, then, then we can talk directly to each subject. So you wouldn't be a, a citizen, you'd be a subject. And just like the Crown you're in Britain, you're a subject to the Queen. Yeah, and um, he, he said, you'll, then you'll get instant obedience because they'll have no family stand up for them, like a little tribe, an extended family. Because the folk used to do that, used to get together and say, hey, that's enough of that, and and stop it. Well, I can remember schools when they tried to push the, the, the more advanced sex education stuff, which usually, and it's been admitted to now, was to get to encourage the children into promiscuity uh, so that they wouldn't bond as they grew up to, to a particular person and have marriage and have children. Uh, and that's all admitted to now, of course, as they boast about things which they denied forever. 
I can remember, you know, groups of parents, the guys at that time too knew they were men, mind you, they weren't cowed with a generation of of how bad they were and and how they got the whole weight and guilt of the whole planet on them, psychological warfare. They they actually stood up against tyrants. And and if any teacher, sometimes you get a teacher who was an absolute physical tyrant, male or female, didn't matter. And they would take it out in some child. Some some of the teachers would just take, pick someone. They'd have some special person they hated, and they would hammer them in, in the classrooms. And you would see the parents fly through those doors. In a way. You wouldn't, I wouldn't go any further. But that that's what it used to be. So even that that had to be eliminated too. Destroy the family unit. Most of the families today, uh, they don't have a dad's around now. And... Um, and of course, uh, most of the women just go along with every change that's pushed along in school. Well, you know, well, you know. And that's how. It. This is all planned that way. We're so well uh, understood that we're predictable. And they have, they, have, they have techniques to make every every group and every gender, too, go along with it. Hitler said it. He said, he's, he got it from the communists. He says, and we create a massive crisis, you see, yeah. or, or exacerbate a, 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 an existing crisis. And with crisis, you always get a food supply going low. Women that were married used to, they, they, they'd nag their husbands. What are you going to do about it? I said, well, I don't know. I can't start the economy. But um, it doesn't matter. Then, of course, the, the ones who, who are in your power give you the strong man who, who talks over the heads of the husband. That's what, this, is, this is what Hitler said. Go over the heads of the husband to the wife and, and offer her security and promise her security. And, and she's, then she's happy, you see. And then she's all for the, for the party. She'll do a lot, go along with the party. And she says, she'll come to the party. The child must follow the mother and then must follow the man. That's a technique. And he got it all from the watching and studying. And because he worked social with the socialists of, of communism in Russia before it all fell apart there. So you're really, uh, it's all well understood, perfectly well understood. And through, so, so you're seeing it now too, uh, with experts in your face for everything, you know, to, to how you wash your hands. And uh, experts are awfully good at telling you not to touch your face. That's, that's worth a few million a year, surely. And, um, and how you social and all the, all social distancing and all the psychological things. Oh, people going mad now, you know. And they got all these. It's like a war effort. Eh? That's what they do through a war. Uh, you, you turn out all the propaganda and how fun it is to stay at home and, and exercise at home. Then they give you all the silly little things to do. That's not for humans, folks. Especially adult humans. When you be, it used to be when you became an adult, you could decide things for your te- yourself. So much so you could take the rap if you if you broke the rules, but at least you you could make the decision. And you all these people clamping down, you're all going to the usual tried and trusted method. Right down to they're going to say that Hitler's going to sterilize you all. They're not using that propaganda. That wasn't true either, you know. They made that years later that Hitler had no stockpiles of gas or anything, you know. But it didn't matter, lies or how you get the wars going, eh? Simple, straightforward, and targeting certain groups of people. And all the men in Scotland were getting sterilized. Mm-hmm. That's how they did it. And it's interesting with the COVID. Oh, we don't fight this COVID and stop it all. You know, it, it's, it's affecting the testes and men. 
you've seen the report, it might be designed to do that, who knows, to say, because there's similar types of tissue that will go for the heart as one of them too, and the testes. But again, here we go, I mean, you know, think about it. Think about it. Is that meant, so is it, guys, buckle under, I don't want to go out and get catch that thing there, you know. Mm-mm-mm. A lot of work goes into getting you to obey, but as I say, every member, every member, oh, that's affiliated with the CDC and the WHO and all the rest of it, oh, they all know each other, they're all appointed to positions. They all go along the exact same agenda, they all get incredible financing. Uh, for their own private businesses, the ones who've got their own private businesses in the uh, in vaccine industry or, or preventions and, and different things like that, or research. And they're all sworn to the same companies that will be, or, or <laughs> you'll soon be meeting personally if they get their way. They're even using, the, again, the war talk. We're at war, we're at war with a virus. Really? Just to go war, eh? Huh? Is that right? And then they get, the, again, the dancing nurses. This is the kind of stuff they would put out during a wartime scenario. Uh, and uh, how fun it is, as, as I say, to, to eat less, you know, and to eat uh, cricket burgers and things like that. Uh, maybe make your own, in fact, just cook up the ants. I saw that the other day, too, how you, get, you can cook up ants and eat them, too. Eh? Do you want to be reduced to this by these control freaks who, who planned this? This is planned, folks. Didn't this happen suddenly? You had the exercises, again, all planned down in the future scenarios from the Rockefeller Foundation 2010. If you've already through it, you'll come across it all for pandemics and how they're going to do, shut the people down, blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, with uh, you had the, the, the one with uh, the one for COVID-2021 idea for the, for the Johns Hopkins ones with Bill Gates. So I took time to plan it. You're seeing going through the, the, the Starn scenario. Uh, the, the, the figures are massively exaggerated, as we know, for the actual deaths. And what they're telling the public, they've, they've got hospitals there that they've, they've been laying off staff since the start of this thing. Because the people who run the hospitals, all the other departments are getting laid off since nothing's, they can't bring, they're not paying, bringing the patients in. The ones in New York and elsewhere uh, have actually been bringing some of the, the ones in from the, from the old folks' homes. And these old folks' homes are death traps, you know that. But they're also bringing a lot of them in for the numbers uh, who end up dying in the hospitals. Uh, and they're really in hospices for where you, you're there for about, uh, maybe a, a month at the most before you die. That's for that standard. That's what hospice is for. A hospice is palliative care, you know. But it pads all the figures. And then you have Dr. Burke's. Like who again has made her career as really a political appointee uh, for different viruses, especially AIDS, and across the world, and dishing out grants here and grants there and so on. Again, the same same companies, <laughs> and uh, made a career out of it too. So I don't think she'll she'll buck the flow and say anything of her own uh, to the general public. So as I say, they're all on board with the same agenda, obviously. And it's bigger than just, uh, let's be honest here, how many folk are dying? We know this too now. There's doctors coming out across the, the planet now saying there's folk dying here because they can't get treatment for other things anymore. They can't even get in the hospitals to get treatment. There's folk who could, could, could survive. A lot of heart attacks who get no treatment at all, and they're dying. People, they could, they could probably just have a, get a stint put in there and some treatment, 
and they could live years later for years. A, a good a good life, you know. But no, written off, written off for this agenda as they lay off staff all over the place. They're on furlough as they, as they like to call it. It's just astonishing. And some of these old folks' homes too have been ordered by the government in some place like New York City, some of them, I don't know which ones, that they have to take in patients that have symptom, symptoms of, of COVID-19. Well, that's going to spread it around the ones that are infected, eh? Yeah, yeah. you got to start thinking. When you see illogical things happening, there's, there's some purpose behind it that have to have a reason, right? The old uh, Sherlock Holmes stories, uh, Conan Doyle, and he said that, uh, and, and, the, and the, he was talking to Watson, you know, he said, my father, I think it was his father, so he used to say that, uh, or his mentor anyway, he, says, he, he said, when you've looked at all, all the, all the little clues, and you can't find the cause of what's happened here. Uh, of all the possible things that could possibly happen to make the thing happen, the main thing, the killing or whatever it was, a robbery, happen. If you've ruled all the things and you can't find the common denominator to make it happen, it says then you must accept the, the, the other side of that which is impossible. It must lay within the impossible and be true. When logic fails. You see? And that's what you have with this thing. So much of it is so illogical, but it has to be a purpose behind it. And the purpose is definitely padding numbers like you've never seen before. I'll put up another link to the YouTube uh, of uh, an appoint again. <laughs> it's another Smalney character, uh, Matthew Hancock, Member of Parliament in Britain. And. Uh, he starts off as an economist and jumps right into politics, and and he's, he's got that con man, oh, just just suave and and oh, you know, slimy. And so he was given a position as um, minister for health. You know, they appoint him over the the, the, the big, you know, the national health. He's a minister for health, and he's on. He was on. Must have been from TV. They took this, and um, and he says in it when they're talking about uh, the COVID and all that. And he, says, and, and he says, you must remember too, he says, that that we normally lose 10,000 per month of the elderly in, in these homes and in and, and, and their own homes too in, in Britain. 10,000 a month. Normally. See, most folk don't realize there's folk dying all the time. One day you'll go as well. And your whole world will go with you. Say, ah, it can't be me. It's not my time. It's impossible. We all go there eventually. Coming into the world is very personal. You're born. This is your birth, you know. You might have 10 going on around you in the National Health Service in Britain. But the fact, this is your birth, you know. And you know you've come into a bad place. As soon as that fuzziness clears your eyes a bit, and all this noise is echoes in the room. And you see immediately the people in authority are all wearing masks, right? And then one of them grabs you, turns you upside down, slaps you one in the back and the behind, and then tosses you at your maw after weighing you in a machine. You know you've arrived in a quite a nasty system, eh? But yeah, that, that's really how it is in this world. That's how it is. That's your personal 
coming into the world. And eventually, it's your personal leaving the world. We don't want to think about it. And some, some folk are lucky enough, they don't have to think about it. They're, they're still going on, and it's dropped dead suddenly. And you know, a guy who um, did that in a field, he was a farmer, not here, it was in, in the UK, but he, he did die. He was fit up to the end as well, uh, and lean and, and fit, and that wiry type that keeps going. Sudden, you know, a sudden uh, aneurysm, I guess, in his brain, that boom, just dropped. But without, uh, he wouldn't have time to even see what's happening. It was poof, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? That's the way to go. It is. But uh, we all get our turn, and and, uh, and once you get to a certain age, in fact, in fact, I think even after 40, folk occasionally starts to dawn on you, <laughs> uh, step by step, that one day it'll be your turn as well. But you don't think about it. If you did, you get depressed. So we have a natural, uh, a natural ability to kind of go into kind of denial and ignore it and not dwell on it. Or, you, or be morbid. You, you would collapse, you see, with morbidity of thought. Then they give you pills. That makes you really crazy. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's your, that's your personal exit that will happen to you. But again, at least it used to be up until the time of death, you had decisions that you could, if you're, if you're compass mentors, you could decide for yourself what you wanted. And if you had people who would take care of you at the last, in the last little while, however it was, and so on, rather than going to a hospital, you could, that was even better again. Because now in the hospitals, they, they, they'll, they've written you off before they even really diagnose you in Canada, I think, that happened to me. And uh, they kicked me out before the week was up with, and took me off the medication that was going to save my life. I had to search for outside the country. But now they've even said in Canada, as I've mentioned this a few times, I even put it on out there a few years ago when Canada said that, in Ontario especially, they're all the same now, though, because we're using easy here now, you see, that they'll automatically try and get you to accept euthanasia. And they've got great persuaders. They should, it's like the old, old TV series they called the Persuaders, I think it was. And there was a, a, a group called that, Two Persuaders, I think. So they fly in persuaders, professional persuaders. They're trained, and they look like ordinary people. There's an ordinary woman there, it could be a mother, and an ordinary guy, it could be. And so, and they come in, and they, they get to know the people, the relatives in the waiting room or outside the ward or whatever. Of the person, especially if, if, if people have been hit by accidents and so on, and a coma, and they try to persuade the relatives to give consent, you know, it's really sad, uh, you know, and, uh, to give the organs before the person's dead, because they want, they want to keep the body alive until the last second before they take it out, you see. And um, so they want permission, but they're awfully good, and they'll get tears in your eyes, they're awfully, they're awfully well trained to do it. And some of the doctors to approach you as you go in there, and, and uh, they get sent for as well to persuade you. If they're not sure if you're going to live or die, and they'll try to persuade you to go, you know, take the take the right thing, you know, and save some cash. So anyway, uh, yeah, if you go to hospital now with scientific socialism running the score, and now that you have been dehumanized and accepted, they're not on a pedestal anymore as a, super, as a superior being. Uh, then you'll give up more easily in getting back to HG Wells. That's what I'm talking about, too. You see, the, the government can, can then do what they want. There's nobody to stand up for it. There's no religion either. They can, you can just say, God gave me these rights, and you should treat me like a human being. You know, Now they'll just laugh at you if you say that. You're not a human being. You're a piece of protoplasm, and you're 
going kaputsky, and uh, and that they'll have their. What are you going to argue back with? Look at all these experts are giving you. Bertrand Russell said we're training a whole generation. For, and this is about nineteen late forties. He says we're training a whole generation now that they can't do a thing without the advice of an expert until eventually it'll be a, a, the, the woman will be unable to change. He called a, 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 a nappy, which was a diaper. You know, uh, a woman would be, would be unable to even change them without having expert advice and shown how to do it. At one time, everybody just learned it within the families, you know, but expert advice. And that's what you've got now. It's all here, folks. You've been trained to obey experts, and you can't even say, well, I've got a religion, I've got rights, and you can't treat me like this. You see, when it's taken away from you, you go, what are you going to argue that what they give you as facts? Or we are the professionals here, we've got, because here they are the priesthoods, they can give you a whole bunch of fancy terminology. Huh? And rattle off the blood counts and, the, and so on. And you, you're standing with your mouth open. Well, 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 well. You see? See how easy it is when, when you listen to this stuff? As they become authorities to rule your life forever. For every day and every week of your life, for now to the end of t- your life. <laughs> That's how it's to be, eh? And you obey, obey, obey. And you can't go here and you can't go there unless you have up-to-date vaccines and so on. And you're supposed to obey this. I came down with a massive rheumatoid arthritis. After I had a whole bunch of boosters. Back in the 90s, that's what's happened to me. Woof. Hell of a fever is a whole lot. I, I, <laughs> I had my, my, every finger in my, in my hands just swelled right up. And joints everywhere, just massive vaccine. And if you were to ask them about, oh, you, you, the, the companies, what, what's it they tell them now? You know, with the bad reactions to things. Oh, you get the wrong kind of genes, you know. These pithy, nonsensical answers. Your genes were fine before you got them, got these vaccinations. And you could have lived a long, long life quite healthily if you hadn't got them. You see? So, but again, this massive mandate, and you've got characters like Bill Gates, a eugenicist, who's all for Planned Parenthood and the whole thing, and yada, 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 and bringing down the, the amount of population. You're going to trust this character and the groups that he's involved with. Do, you really, do they really think we're that stupid, honestly? Honestly, eh? And are they really, really going to try to ram this and make us all obey like little farm animals here? Because if, if that's the case, you better just toss any idea of rights or freedoms or democracy out the darn window forever. And welcome to scientific socialism, the biggest con game that's ever been invented for dictatorship and rulership of tyranny over the public. Ever. Because you don't have anything now to fight back with. You're not a member of their club, you can't argue back with it. That's the so-called science, the latest theory, yeah? And a, and a, and a stack of latest theories. Huh? <laughs> Most of which become obsolete in no time at all for a new theory, but that doesn't make any difference to this scientific priesthood who all are on board 
because they get well rewarded by the masters who run the world. The big foundations, etc. Well rewarded, like never before. And since they are atheistic, they have no problem with taking big, big sums of cash. Or, sorry, donations into their private, you know, enterprises and so on. For the good of all, you understand. So maybe you should start thinking about your rights and stop uh, laughing or poo-pooing this idea of some supreme being looking over everything. Because at least then, look look at the groups who are following their, their own belief, huh? The authorities aren't going to be forcing them. They're not. They're not. They're not. And it's been made made quite clear to them in places like Britain and elsewhere. So you better perhaps start um, putting yourself down as a believer and start reading about your rights. Because they're contained in there, you know. The misery that's being caused right now with mass unemployment designed to go into complete bankruptcy, which is what they want for most people. And the new system comes in. And you have a new commissar, I did the talks on this years ago, appointing to every street. He'll give you visits to make sure that you're doing all the right things and you're being a good citizen, comrade, etc., etc., or whatever term they want to use for it. And they're already there. The government of Britain has employed thousands of these, these little snoops. I'm sure every other country's done the same. Never mind the massive armies I've got all over the internet, which is nothing new, naturally. But I've, I've mentioned it before, folk in, who lived in the, the communist countries, and in Bulgaria and, and places like that, they, they, they were Christians, a lot of them, and they knew, at least they knew who the local snoop was that belonged to, they got their paycheck from the politburos, and they, they would have, have, have Quiet, secret meetings for their for their religious ceremonies and folks' houses and things. That's that's what they had to do in this atheistically run system of the old Soviet. Because it's true, you see, a regime where folk believe there's a higher authority than than petty man who always becomes tyrannical, <laughs> given given the full force of authority. Uh, then you, you you've got to fight it back with something. And these folks lit scientific tyranny. Uh, again, Bertrand Russell said that it would be horrific for the general public, but he was all for it. Because it, it, it will not, it won't accept any dissent from you. You better comply or else it'll be utterly ruthless. Utterly ruthless. You can't get out your house and go and get food to eat without having an up-to-date record. What? Everybody start be making their choices and decisions right now, because this is this this is something they're not going to give up on easily. I really mean it. They they, they pretty well failed with their, their their nonsense with the climate change thing. You have to give all your rights and be ruled by experts to, to, for the survival of the earth. And so they rammed this one through. It's the same agenda. And businesses can't open unless they're vetted first by by, by the the proper people for the environment to make sure it's green and environmentally friendly and sustainable, etc., etc., etc. All their websites are screaming this stuff out. This is their religion, you know, total tyranny. (laughs) 
Ja. I'll mention a few articles here just to give you some, something else to, to think about rather than just me talking here. This is from the journal. Talking about science. It won't matter even, again, if you, if you, facts don't matter, you see, when you're dealing with the priesthoods, because they, they, they can understand facts differently from you, you see. They've been trained to. This is from the Journal of Medical Microbiology. I mentioned this before. It was 2012. And it's um, false positive PCR results linked to administration of seasonal influenza vaccine. And it's got a whole bunch of people who took part in it. And um, false positive PCR results usually occur as a consequence of specimen to specimen or applicant to specimen contamination within the laboratory. Evidence of contamination at time of specimen collection linked to influenza vaccine administration in the same location as influenza sampling is described. It's awfully important what is said here because evidence of contamination at time of specimen collection. Generally, if you're in the hospital, that's where you're going to get it, folks. Linked to influenza vaccine administration. Remember, too, influenza is also coronavirus categories. In the same location as influenza sampling is described. So it gets contaminated off the bat, right off the, at the very beginning. Clinical circumstantial and laboratory evidence was gathered for each of five cases of influenza-like illness uh, and um, with unusual patterns of PCR reactivity for seasonal H1N1, H3N2, H1N1, as in 2009 time, and influenza B viruses. Again, they had the same thing in, in 2009, 10, you see that H1N1, oh, died to H1N1. And bird flu, I stopped whistling right there. This is two 2010 trivalent influenza vaccines and environmental swabs of hospital influenza vaccination room were also tested for influenza RNA. Sequencing of influenza A matrix, they go through the whole thing from the, the gene applicants and so on. And it says, this is what they found, though, from the swabs of the area where all the vaccinations took place, right? It says here that, and had all kinds of vaccines, too, that they're using, too, and showed greatest homology with M-gene sequence of influenza A, Puerto Rico. This is a type which they first found there, too, 819, blah, blah, H1N1 virus, used in generation of influenza vaccine strains, right? As his environmental swabs had detectable influenza A and B, RNA and RNA detection studies demonstrate vaccine RNA still detectable. This is in the rooms that they did it all. It happens the same thing in old folks' homes, by the way, when they give them all. The, and it also gives, you find the same thing too in the hospitals when they're treating the coronaviruses now using the similar techniques with swabs and so on. It says environmental swabs had detectable influenza A, you know, uh, and also with injections, B, RNA, RNA detection studies demonstrate the vaccine RNA is still detectable. This is in the, this is in the surfaces and the walls and so on. Still detectable for at least 66 days, right? This is astonishing, really. This is environmental swabs, right? A detectable influence A and B, RNA and RNA detection studies demonstrate vaccine RNA is still detectable for at least 66 days. 
administration of influenza vaccines and clinical sampling in the same room resulted in the contamination with vaccine strains of surveillance swabs collected from patients with ILI. Vaccine contamination should therefore be considered, particularly where multiple influenza virus RNA-PCR positive signals such as H1N1, H3N2 and influenza B are detected in the same specimen. It's quite just astonishing, folks, that uh, <laughs> when that big one was going on in 2009-10 and another, another flurry a couple of years later, but when it was going on and they wanted everybody to get, get uh, vaccinated and so on, uh, it, it was... Uh, I know some of the hospitals in New York... They were offering the influenza vaccine and giving them the vaccine as they went into the to the cafeteria eating their food. Uh, you know, I, I remember going to town when they had a uh, back then that a mall that still had two or three stores left open it because they're all collapsing with the economy, being gone off to different countries and folk ordering online and uh, there's still two or three stores in it. I remember one of the one of the empty stores they were using to give uh, people. Um, a vaccine, but it was a spray type, oral type. Well, this is in the winter time, and and the, the, you know the central heating is getting blasted all, all over the place, and you could smell the stuff. <laughs> you could smell what they were doing, coming out of this open door to the to the actual main part of the mall. Eh? Uh, you know, you know, so, so much for your permission, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, it, it's just astonishing to me what happens in real life. Uh, it really is. You don't have to go into fiction. You just need to look at what we're living in. This is the biggest fiction of all. It's called dem- uh, democracy. And they say, yeah, you have rights. You know, we'll, we'll listen to you. That's the only right you have. They might listen to you. They're getting even intolerant for listening to you now, aren't they? They don't want to waste their time there. Also, I want to put a link up. It's quite a good art. It's, it's a good documentary. It gives you an idea. of many. There's many out there, actually. But this is one that's been underrated to an extent. It was during World War Two. Uh, and the Japanese had uh, a big experimental thing for biowarfare there. It was called Kizu, the untold story of Unit 731. And I've got stacks of ones for other countries too. You wouldn't believe in the ones that you're slogging on in, in, in the U.S. But uh, in the U.S. too, they were doing all the, the, uh, the, the, the syphilis tests and so on and telling people they were giving them treatments to cure syphilis, but actually gave them the syphilis, then studied them and things like that. And they used radiation on people they called mental retarded at the time. That's what they called them, uh, youngsters, young children, and studied them too. This, this is this is the U.S. one. But back to Kizu, they have a good documentary on it, and they have the old guards and so on, doctors that, that were alive back in the seventies and eighties, um, talking about it, what happened there, and how they would they would inject plague into people and, and study them. Well, that's the same. You see, these scientists that, that come out, uh, you wouldn't believe what they're into. I mean, that, their whole life is a horror show. To most people, it's a horror show. I read the book years ago on the air, too. Good parts of it is a book called Acres of Skin. Uh, it's a good book on how the prisoners in the U.S. and different people were, were used as, for experiments. Well documented and... And yeah, they even tried giving them cancers in the, in the prisons in the U.S., injecting them there to see if certain things would take. I wonder why they'd want to find out if they could do certain things to give you cancers. Eh? 
But uh, this is what goes on all the time uh, in our great free societies where, where everything's open, supposedly, and except uh, anything to do with the truth. Uh, that's, 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 that seems to be the exception, which is most things. So it's just astonishing what goes on all the time, and you have no idea. So the Kizu untold story of Unit 731 is at least an admission by people who took part in it as to what they actually did and what they were looking to do and so on. But it didn't end there, because if you really go in and dig into that, they had scientists. There were some scientists that got into Japan who worked with the Japanese from Europe. Uh, and that too, they keep all that out of it too. But there were some people doing Mengele stuff there, and uh, and they weren't German uh, scientists like that. You, you'd be surprised how many people are quite open about what they what they what they do. As I say, the ones who work in the bio warfare industry, especially, uh, are psychopathic tendencies. No doubt about it. They're well paid, so they'll they'll please the masters. And they're given license to do different things they would normally do and get away with things too, even in, in their own lives. So it suits them fine. They're paid awfully well, and uh, and they have a genuine curiosity of uh, studying people or animals as they die. But oh, so that's it. Now look at that. So interesting. Did you see that there? Hmm. And that's how they do it. You see. That's the world we live in. And these folk have no belief in any super supreme being that would grant rights to the peasants that they experiment on. Uh, they'd laugh at that, but it's up to them to get and they stop laughing, perhaps. And you, you, you don't have to be a, a screaming loud Christian, for instance, uh, in this, this strange American way uh, of being. You can be a quiet one, but, but loud enough when it comes to your own rights, etc., and that should be enough to, to shut up uh, the scientific priests that want to take over and order your life, you see, in a very nasty fashion. Scientific experimentation is horrible. It really is horrible. And we're being experimented on all the time, you know. Canada, we were, on, we were eating all their modified, genetically modified, and with new pesticide and herbicide poisons on them, food for years, for 10 years. They used Canada as a testing base without telling the public, and only broke out when, when Tony Blair was going to put the same thing in uh, to Britain, and there was pressure groups there that had been following it and said, no way. And, and it broke out then. Well, Canada's doing it. And we didn't know that, you see. So suddenly, they, they, Canada had to go into action immediately. Oh, we, well, yeah, well, we, yeah. And it, we made a secret deal, they said, with, uh, with, uh, with the company, like Monsanto. A secret deal. This is from, I think it was Cretien, it was in the Times Prime Minister. They made a secret deal. Isn't that wonderful? Don't tell, don't tell. And they think they're democratic. And that they go right here, they are feeding you stuff that already had caused cancers uh, in lab animals, cancers of the stomach and the colon. But let's feed it to Canadians. This happened, folks. I did the stories at the time, and then afterwards, I came out too as more and more information came out. It's just, yeah. And I even did the story, but I, I, I kept sticking it. So I said, what on earth is this? The big fuss about a central computer going to get put in Ottawa, where the government is, you see. 
they would collect all the data on every Canadian. Well, at the time, we didn't, we didn't know we were on this, this poison stuff and all that. And I thought, well, I thought well, it's, it's got to be for connecting, not just financial stuff. It's got to have your health in it and probably collecting some kind of data. And I was spot on before it broke out. We're getting, we're, we were the guinea pigs for it all. And they would keep tabs through all the different National Health Service they've got here. Uh, you know, it's really one system under different corporations. But it's one system. And then we get all the data fed right into them in Ottawa. Yes, that's what it was for. We were the lab rats, all right. And I noticed at this time, I hadn't put it all together until I got the mission, but I, I knew something was stunk because it's suddenly all the, the, all the, what happened with, with a lot of people, <laughs> I wouldn't go into all the different types of certain kinds of uh, chemical in, uh, injuries people would get, they would get developed, they develop allergies like never before. This is with the 60s especially onwards, it got worse and worse. The 50s had it too. When kids would get asthma suddenly with um, certain things like that. But uh, I know it's, uh, it used to, bah, that's what hits you in Canada when you came over from Britain. You say, my God, look at all these aisles in the pharmacies uh, of antihistamines and so on. And there's a reason for it naturally. But here, they, they, they noticed they started putting all this stuff up for stomach out. And it used to be things which were put on uh, pump inhibitors, they used to be prescription only. Suddenly they're over the counter thing that's on the shelves, and I thought, what's going on here? So, uh, something's because it's quite dangerous to use them for a long time, and but suddenly they're, they're over the oh yeah, it's, it's, oh yeah. I told it's quite normal for forty two. It was to do with the food, obviously. Basic Sherlock Holmes, right? Basic, hey. Eh? Let's see now. Before we were starting to get upset stomachs and increased acidity, when you get increased acidity and you didn't have it before, and it's not an ulcer, at least it's not starting off as an ulcer, then something's causing it to flush. And it flushes with acid, more more acid than normal. Anything the body doesn't like, it'll flush. Something in your nose will flush, in your sight will flush, in your eyes will flush. That's how it does it. Same with your with your intestines and your stomach. And so here you have this this strange, you know, this strange little um. A problem with your stomach, and oh, these pills help it because they stop the acid production or, or, or really lower it massively, which causes other problems naturally. But yeah, something you may be eating, eh? Could it be that? I wonder, eh? Etc. So, the, yeah, the, the, the Canadian government would write into action, oh, well, yeah, it was a you know, they had these stupid same things you're seeing now with the dancing nurses. They brought oh, here's a the CBC. And here's someone, uh, people make a fuss about this new kind of food. It's, it looks the same kind of stuff. And you see a woman standing at a little stall that they set up in the countryside somewhere. And so she's selling veggies to the passers-by. You know, it's all rigged. And do you notice anything different with, um, with a name like Linda or something? Oh, no, this carrot here looks the same as the other carrots to me. And then it doesn't taste much the same. It's fine. Ha, ha, ha. And that, that, that was our, our whole thing that they gave us for it. That was, it's fine now. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. So, yeah, you're living in a fool's paradise. Uh, only it's not a paradise anymore, even for a fool. I mean, we don't have enough imagination to, to keep the farce going. So... We're living through incredible changes, planned changes, and they've got a long ways to go. They can do it very quickly, by the way, if, if you can keep you in a panic and you're all obedient to them. 
And because obviously you're not meant to, it's a reset, total reset on the financial system. Out of this will come either a new currency, maybe in a global currency, which they've wanted for years. And, and they've floated the idea before in trial balloons to see how you react to it. And a digitalized currency, which again, I've done the articles too for years from the, the World Bank. He used to try to get on the public, all, all these animals using a, using a digital system. And we track, trace them and the whole thing and see what they're eating, blah, 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 buying, yada, yada, yada. We're animals to them. You understand? We are the source of all wealth for all those above you. That's one place Marx was right. All wealth comes from the people at the bottom, the masses of the people. You're a herd that the rest of them feed off. Ask any politician, they know. This is the truth, this is the reality of it. Wake up, folks, you yeah? Wake up. And look at the money they give themselves as they represent you as politicians and civil servants. And yet, Look at the money they got. Huh? And their early retirement schemes and big, big, fat pensions. And total health coverage forever, etc., etc. Just astonishing. Servants? Servants, eh? Uh, there's Orwellian doublespeak, eh? Uh, well, we're here to serve the people. But yeah, we really are a big herd that are being used by them. And right now, uh, look look at the people who become multi-billionaires in the last tw- 10, 20 years of us in the, in the IT industry alone, huh? And, 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 and even the IT surveillance society alone, all getting rich of us, from us. And they use our money to fund their projects with public-private partnerships. Isn't that wonderful? You pay to set it up, you pay to maintain it, and they take the profits. And you think this is normal. Where did you get that from? <sighs> Quite amazing, isn't it? Eh? Reality. Uh-uh-uh. A long time ago, I also did the talks on the, uh, on the reporters who went to Porton Downs in, in England. Porton Downs, they had the, they had the uh, big bio-warfare uh, experimental, experimental labs there, but lots of other labs too. In fact, Victor Rothschild used to work at during World War II, and according to the the fifth man, uh, the, the expose on, on him, he he sent he sent the the details from the radar, uh, different radar equipment, so portable stuff over to the Soviets during World War Two. Quite amazing, it was good story. However, important down isn't just bio warfare; it's all kinds of technologies and weaponry and so on. But uh, the scientists there allowed at least one time. Uh, uh, a reporter in who sat and had breakfast with them and 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 followed them into and, and the lesser labs, the less secretive labs he was allowed into. But they, they talked about biowarfare and ethnic-specific diseases they'd created, very proud of it, uh, over breakfast, you know, and in between talking about doing their gardens as they were, before they, they left uh, their wives and children, because they love their wives and children, they've got a good life, and they get paid awfully well, you know, and they're looked after awfully well by the state. To find ways to kill folk you know, to be on mass, that is. They talked about quite. Yeah, they had, they had viruses they could release uh, that would target specific genes, their gene types. You see, maybe that's what they meant when they said about certain vaccines not taking or having bad reactions, get the wrong genes. Maybe it's all coming from the same labs. <laughs> Who knows? Eh? But anyway, uh, 
there's an old idea, uh, the ethnic-specific ones. Israel did it too, all the different countries. The U.S. did it. Um, I think it was uh, Kelly who was killed in Britain. Who, uh, well, anyway, he, was supposed, <laughs> he said he committed suicide before he, uh, he went, went as a witness to the big trial. And he was he worked for um, biowarfare testing for for the Britain, the British establishment. But he he also had been had worked uh, creating ethnic specific viruses with another country. He was ordered to do by the British government at the time. So there's all kinds of folk involved in in, uh, in killing us, you see, and getting paid awfully well to do it. But going way back, and I, I did talks on this years ago on all the different testing they did in Britain, especially with with uh, uh, the Navy, for instance, releasing uh, airborne gases and diseases across parts of Britain from ships and it would float across in the wind in the right direction into parts of Norfolk, for instance, as an example. But they also had uh, an awfully good documentary put out by a, it was put out and, and fostered really. Because an American airman over there in one of the bases had watched these experiments done on the British public by their own governments and their own uh, military, and they used vans to go across around the country, around the villages, and so on, with the, giving this gas out at the top. There's this like radioactive gas, and they put out these boxes in different places that would then record how much was contained and spread in, the, in different areas. It's, this happened for years on end, especially modified vans to do this. Just in case, of course, the Russians ever. There's the same thing with with with, you know, with, with uh, gain of function in these these bio labs, isn't it? Same same excuse to give. Well, we, we had to sort of test it in the public in Britain, just in case that the Russians ever did it, huh? And then with the gain of function, well, we set up these labs to to get fairly harmless diseases, make them really volatile, and nasty, and, and lethal, uh, in case in, in case it ever did it by itself in nature somehow. It's the same thing, same excuse, by psychopaths, well-paid psychopaths, mind you. He's a little article here, World War II secret mustard gas testing, it says. Experiments tested troops by race, ethnic race, or group. Well, the Pentagon acknowledged years ago that it used American servicemen World War II mustard gas experiments. NPR found new details about tests that grouped subjects by the color of their skin as well. So, yeah, they, they do all these ethnic studies, and it's all they find the best ways to kill each group. Eh? They did in Canada, too. Uh, and had, I can remember that they at least had some documentaries. They always put documentaries after most of them die or died off in Canada, and these guys uh, worked. Uh, in the military, they were, they were servicemen, and they were sprayed from, from above in different pla- different methods of spraying them and giving poisons to them. And they were told it was for the good of the country and to be safeguarded, there was nothing going to harm them. They came, all came down with cancers, and they talked to some of the last couple of survivors back in the, maybe the early 90s. And the rest of them all died off, of course. This is how you're used by your own countries. Huh? And you vote for these governments over and over and over. Mm-mm-mm. Repetition is the definition of insanity when it's, when it's killing you. And so anyway, you have, um, it gives you a young U.S. Army soldier during World War II, Rollins Edwards knew better than to refuse an assignment. 
Officers led him to a dozen other and a dozen others into a wooden gas chamber and locked the door. He didn't complain. None of them did. Then a mixture of mustard gas and a similar agent called Lewisite was piped inside. So someone got a patent on it, I guess. I felt like you were on fire, recalls Edwards, now 93 years old. while well, he lived, okay. Guys started screaming and hollering and trying to break out, and then some of the guys fainted, and eventually they opened the door and let us out, and the guys were just uh, in a bad shape, says. And they did an investigation into this, and the second story in this report examines failures by the Department of Veterans Affairs to provide benefits those injured by military mustard gas experiments. So they've done all kinds of experiments on the military. In every country, though, they do that. He was one of 60,000 enlisted men enrolled in a once-secret government program, formerly declassified in 1993. So most of them may be dead by then, you see. To test mustard gas and other chemical agents on American troops. But there's a specific reason he was chosen as well. He's African-American. They did it with all ethnic groups, though. And uh, it's just astonishing, you know. They do the same thing with these different, again, gain of functions as well. As I've said before, the the porting down experiments that they they did there and the the exposés done by journalists uh, about uh, who had visits there. It's the same kind of thing. Uh, the, The incredible testing on British servicemen and the British populations uh, unknowingly by the population, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not asked to give any consent. You understand, and so your authorities, your authorities, I'll say that again, your authorities look upon you as peasants and animal peasants, no different than the experimental lab rats who don't know any better either. You know, now they're not given any any choice themselves. You see, neither are you when they do it like that. So. So yeah, I, I I have no problem looking at, at what happens with COVID or anything else that comes out, and the big agenda behind it, because when when it, when it doesn't tally up to massive millions of folk dying uh, per week here, uh, it doesn't tally to what the, the big fear they put out initially is. But that whole agenda, regardless, is still getting rammed along as though it had been millions and millions and millions, you see. I'm getting back to Mr. Hancock, MP for Health for Britain, and I'll put what he said once again. I'll say it once again because folk really uh, don't have much long, very long memories today. And he did say that. He, I'll put it up for you in his YouTube. He says, you know, people about ten thousand elderly die every every month here, and and he's talking about England really. And uh, that's for that population size, you know. Every country gets huge deaths every year, but when they get a flu, you've gone through it too. It really, really boosts it right up. And uh, and that never closes the countries down either. And when you see a unified agenda getting rammed through every country on the planet, uh, and the heads are all talking just like the same from the same script, exact same script verbatim, then it's it's orchestrated, it's managed, and it's a must-be agenda. You see, obviously, and it's not to to put down the folk that are dying. <laughs> At all, but I've been looking at cases and cases. They had one the other day in the newspaper in the states, and at New York, and it was a hospital where two, a man, I was outside with a woman, and you see that again. They've got all the staff applauding this woman because she's taking off the ventilator, 
and she didn't know that her husband, who's about 10 years older, I think, was in the same hospital on a ventilator. And he eventually got off it too. But the both, uh, she was about 55, maybe he was 65 or a bit older. And they both had uh, were overweight, uh, multiple problems, diabetics and multiple problems uh, she had. High blood pressure, I think both of them had blood pre- high blood pressure. All this kind of stuff against them. And yet uh, they, they pulled through. I've got reports here of folk in their 90s pulling through the, from this thing. So the, the death rate really is, is really low. So you, as long as they get the treatments that are available, obviously, uh, some countries are just letting the elderly die. And I've read the articles from Canada. They're only going to give any kind of treatments to the people that they, they deem are worthy of pulling through, basically. Uh, so more chance of doing it. So they'll, they'll treat them. And, and if it gets really bad, they said, they'll treat them. And uh, they'd, they'd have to let the rest of the folk. That was Canada. That's Canada for you. But New York, at least, they're, they're still giving treatments to people that are available, at least, you know, maybe antivirals and different things as well. And, of course, treatments for their blood pressure, obviously, and, and so on. But, uh, yeah, the, it's, it's, even at British Columbia, the, the, there, were, there was a couple of women there. There's a lot of old-age homes from in, in British Columbia retirees from different groups and, and even Chinese groups there, you know. And it was it was traced, a lot of them came in from their relatives, right from Wuhan to visit the home, some of them. I put the article up two or three weeks ago there. And you could really trace, you can see it, uh, it was brought into the country. Uh, but they even were pulling people through there in their 90s. So it's not all gone if they want to do their best to, to help you. But again, uh, a lot of folk that are in hospices who are dying, who are dying, uh, they're putting them down as COVID. If they think that, even presumed they have COVID on top of something, you see, they're putting down that as the cause of death. That's what Dr. Burks said. I put that one up too tonight for those who want to go through it. So, uh, yeah, they're padding their figures as much as they can. And, and you, you, lots of folk have, got, have, have had this and got over it, and they're getting put down, really. Uh, 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 the folk who are dying with it, even though their, their main cause of death, it could be kidney failure by something else, that they've got a pre-existing renal problem and high blood pressure, and they're terminally ill with cancers. And, so, and again, so many of them are so weakened with, with uh, chemo, because it does that, it'll kill off your... Yeah, your, your, a lot of your, your white blood cells attack uh, all kinds of diseases. It kills a lot of them off. And so you're very vulnerable to just, you know, get hit with this thing. You have no immune system left to fight it. All kinds of reasons why folk are dying, but a lot of people are really uh, dying in hospice. That's what they go into hospice for. It's a terrible place to get put into. You know? they, they starve the people anyway. To, <laughs> that's what I've done shows before, years ago, where they literally are told to withhold food and water, etc., to speed up their exits. Now, this is what has come down to dollars and cents. It's become less and less uh, special as humans, you see. And we start to believe them. Well, I guess I'm just another animal. You know, watch the nature pro. Yeah, I'm just another animal. Yeah, okay. Once you do that, you're done for. You, you have nothing to fight back with. You have no defense and say, you can't touch me. I'm, 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 I am something special. I've got a conscious mind. Or as I said in the movie Network, I'm a human, goddammit, it says. 
You know, I'm a human being, goddammit, he says. He says, I'm getting really angry. Open your windows and all shout at the same time. He says, I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> Perhaps we shouldn't, eh? because that's so true. I look at the faces of some of these supposed experts. They're frightening, actually. The ones who are demanding it. And some of them are like schoolmistresses that are in a bad mood or something's happened at home. It's not too, too, too happy. They're the ones that would beat up some of the students. And uh, you look at them with utter intolerance if, if folks speak out that they're not wanting to go along with what's all being not proposed but ordered here. That's the scary part of it. That's the scary part of it. You're seeing authoritarianism like never before get pushed into Western countries. All the stuff that folk fought against, against the communism and the Sovietization of their nations has been rammed along here with intolerant people. With the same kind of uh, nerve that, oh, we're the authorities. Do what you're told. And when that's the case, and you don't have a choice in anything, then you'll be punished for it, too. You won't get treatments for certain other things that you could do, because they'll, they'll, they'll use this like a big, big stick, you see. You better take this if you want this. You know. And no, that, that's authoritarianism. That's not a free democ- democracy. That's not how the West w- w- evolved. We fought for centuries to get away from, to be ruled over by our betters, you see. And scientific, like Bertrand Russell says, scientific socialism and scientific tyranny would be the worst kind of tyranny you've ever seen. He meant it. Again, to the articles now. One article here. It's called "We All Live in Disneyland, Orlando." You see, I mentioned Disneyland so many times before, and how we're brought to be in Disneyland—a fake reality. You see, and don't be put off by the name posted by. Helena Handbasket, uh, because uh, it's a good article and I know who did it. So it says, on Friday 17th April, it says, my wife and I took 90-minute drive to attend an open Florida rally outside the mayor's office in Orlando. All in all, the turnout was about 200 people and peaceful throughout with uh, the police taking very much a backseat view of the whole thing, although there was a drone present for a while observing this peaceful assembly. In fairness to the police, they had stated the previous day that they respected the right to, re- to assemble under this constitution, which is unusual these days. There were many driving by honking their horns in support of the rally, but it would have been far more useful if they'd parked up and joined us. I would expect a much larger turnout in a city such as Orlando, where the main tourism industry of Disneyland, etc., is located and is, of course, at a complete standstill with all workers furloughed or temporarily unemployed. Disappointed as I was in the turnout, I can remember doing an article some years back when they were wanting to put tattoos if you came through the turnstiles to make sure that you had to pay, you know. Again, little by little, you get repetition, you get used to the idea. Disappointed as I was in the turnout, I was further disappointed to see many politicize the rally, uh, waving uh, pro-Trump flags. I didn't see a Democrat candidate flag being waved. It's nothing to do with politics and only gives ammunition to the mainstream to label everyone a right-wing extremist. And that's no joking, for that's the technique of psych warfare, you see. Uh, and it's on the go all the time, psychological warfare. They set up fake enemies in the whole bit, and they try to split people from uh, who could all be together protesting the same natural things to protest. 
And so they try, they try to pretend oh, it's only right wingers are protesting. Everybody else in the left wing, we like being ordered about. We like being locked down. We like having professionals tell us what to do, and when to shop, and what to buy, and what not to buy, and go through our, our, our baskets and see if you bought any non-essentials, etc. We like that. You see. This is how they try to portray it. It's just split up and divide, where you're all going to suffer. I don't care what pretended party you pretend to believe in, because they're all bogus anyway. They really are. This is not a political problem. It's a global plan to take down the whole of society across the world in a full-blown attempt by powers we'll never see to control mankind. This is a business model that has been worked on for many years, finally coming into view. And he goes on going through all the stuff we've talked about before. And talks about the media, of course, because he actually mentioned that uh, he talked to one of the newspapers and asked him if he was going to mention if the, if the newspapers or the cameraman actually was to TV as well, because they all do TV as well, or little clips for their, for their sites, for newspapers. He's asked the camera to take a look at some numbers regarding the, the comparisons of COVID-19 deaths and other causes of deaths between January the 1st and April the 1st, which is, of course, what they should all be doing if they're really doing their job in investigative reporting. But he says, but which, of course, he refused to do, to which I retorted, covered. <laughs> so he was told off. He says, well, judge for yourself. And... Um, it goes on and on and on. It's true, the mainstream media, unfortunately, is all part. That's like it was to get World War II whipped up and prepared for the people, or prepare the people using the media <laughs> before the war started to make sure they're all on board with it by terrifying them and having meetings with the media barons all together because they're all members of the same ruling club. Nothing's changed, eh? And, but the, the ones on the left pretend that they're... That, come on, come on. uh uh uh, uh. Mm-mm-mm. But this article is, is worthwhile reading. You should look into it. And one of many I'll put up tonight. If you have the time, you have, you've got plenty. I'll sit in a home now, you know. And believe it or not, I mean, I put, I put up stuff you can read as well. I know it's out of fashion reading. And, and they admit themselves, they're quite happy with it. And all their studies that most folks' attention spans, if there's not something moving in front of their face, even a little puppet, you know, they, they, they don't want to even listen to something, unfortunately. But if you're listening to something, you'll find your mind takes over and your imagination takes, and you'll feel, picture your, your, your memory will improve. If you're just staring at a screen all the time, you're hypnotized, you, you won't remember most of it. That's a fact. You know. Remember years ago I said to my, I'm not coming out for everybody, I'm coming out for the ones that, that, that literally are desperate and, and they really want to know what's going on. But they have to have the abilities and be willing to sacrifice pleasure all the time. Uh, to, uh, to to and then you start to enjoy just listening to to the radio version. You will, but your mind definitely will improve. Your memory will will remember what you're hearing much much better. But most folk are trained from birth. But why do you think they stick children in front of TV sets that the babysitter and watch all these little silly TV baby things, all programming them into the environment, sustainability and. And little naughty here, you might you might die if if the grass dies, and you know it's all man's it's bad man, bad man causes this. Hey, hey, hey! So I'll put this article up and another one too. How will America end? A bang, a whimper, or something else? And this Brandon Turbeville and Freedom Attorney has a good article too. He goes into what a lot of people are questioning is there again the conditioning including their conditioning to even, you know, stand up for changes, maybe even start to catch on. They've been used here occasionally, too, in different things. 
And I, I tell you, there's hope for people all the, everywhere who actually start to see the bigger picture. It can take you years to see the bigger picture. And when it does hit you, 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 you might crash. It's like a death, you know, when you, uh, you realise that things are not the... Something's gone. Something's gone. What's gone is the, the, the fact that you're not so naive anymore. And what's gone is the belief that you've always done the right... You've done the, maybe the right things for yourself, but you thought were right, but you've, you've maybe been used, you see. Lots of people are having that. There lots of articles from people. But this article here is basically about coming through a lot of this stuff, too. Hope is a wonderful thing. Even the darkest of times, hope gives us strength to keep working towards a goal in the face of impossibility or to keep fighting for life, even though all evidence points to the contrary. Hope is what we can lead to miracles, to beauty, and to revolutions. But hope can be a treacherous thing as well. It can blind those standing on train tracks to believe that the train heading towards them will stop in time, or to believe, despite hearing the whistle as, as clear as day, that the light at the end of the tunnel is not a train at all. It can fool people living in unbearable circumstances who are listening to their own governments denounce them as criminals and parasites worthy of eradication to believe in things that are going to get better. Things will get better in their mind because they have to. That's what they say, you see. I should add to this too, that that the authorities that I've mentioned just a little while ago there, that are getting nastier and nastier for this scientific tyranny, who have already all colluded together and, and pledged in their honor in the gang that they're in, and I mean an oath, huh? like weapons of mass destruction, they're going to all push it at the same time, and and regardless of what you do, it's like a having a war. They've got a war on you. It's a war on you. That's what it is, and you're an enemy if you say no to whatever you know, and you want to simply do what you're told and obey from these characters. Then uh, they're using the same terminology, uh, almost like the Holocaust denial. You know, oh, you're 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 you're, you're an anti this or an anti that or. Uh, or you're denying that this will help you, whatever they're, they're, whatever they're going to present to you from Bill Gates and the, or the other vaccination companies are all one big corp, really cartel. Uh, if you've got any any points of view about it, you're, you're a denier. You see, they're using the same terminology to make you to, to stigmatize you. This this is an evil evil technique that's used to stigmatize people. It's the same thing they use with oh you you're, you're a climate change denier, you know or a global warming denier, immediately it's meant to shut you up. This is the techniques that the, 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 the communists talked about years ago in the American books that they put out, because most of them are based in New York, actually. Most of the ones I have here, all their old manuals, were all printed in New York <laughs> from the Communist Party and the Soviet system, too. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's quite amazing to, to how they're using the same techniques to stigmatize people who've woken up and, and say, wait a minute here, huh? you know, who, who gave you the right to dictate my life? Huh? Or even whether you would get treatment or not if you go against some other part of something. Huh? This is tyranny, folks, when that happens. We're supposed to have choices in this country, and these systems are out there. We're all paying our money into, especially in Canada. It's taking off your whatever you earn. It's taking off you for 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 healthcare and so on. It all comes out your your, your taxes. Uh, they're supposed to serve you, not dictate to you, but serve you. 
And this, this change, they've been getting fed for a while now. That they're, they're now in charge, you see. They're now in charge of you. Before this came along even. Now, that's not serving you. That's dictating to you. And that's tyranny, folks. You don't dictate to folk in a free society. You are supposed to be a part of a service that the, the people who, who you might not agree with are paying for. They pay you to serve them, not dictate to them, even if it goes against the particular religion of science that you're into. That keeps changing its theory after theory after theory and, and so on and so on. What's the theory of today? I, I watched a, a little clip of a guy from Korea, and people were into it. Again, he's he's from the, U, the WHO and two, and he he it's not Korea, it might be yeah, it's Korea. I think it was South Korea, and he led the team there, and he um, again works in collusion with the WHO, no Doctor Who, and uh, part of the same stuff. But he, he was right on what, what they're, they're taught, what they're taught at that level. And he wouldn't deviate from any of it. There was no treatment except what they were going to give you eventually, you know, from the companies that are going to develop their own different stuff for you. There's no treatment, he says, you know, except that. So he's on board with the whole darn thing too, nothing else. But he did say one thing is true. He says, we wouldn't, we wouldn't know the, the facts about this thing at all. Because uh, now you've got an avalanche of, of, of thousands of people churning out, like basically, their, their, own, ver- their own thesis on, on this or that or the other to do with this, this disease. Uh, and he says most of this stuff will go down the, the tubes because it, most of them do, you know. Well, I, I did articles on who they admitted themselves that all the stuff you read in the newspapers about the, all the latest uh, latest study on this or whatever in medicine is, is blah blah blah. Then they find out a month or two later somebody else tries to test it and it's you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't pan out the same way under testing and duplication, etc. So most of them go out the out the window, but they all they praise it like crazy initially. It's just astonishing. So any of this article here is a good article, and he's, this, this author is hoping that his country will realize the error of its ways and attempt to return to some sense of sanity and normalcy. And uh, he hopes that the American people realize that it's deliberately crashing the economy, shredding the Bill of Rights, <laughs> and he's right on, and placing the majority of the population on house arrest was not only a bad idea, but an act of treason on the part of government officials and a terrifying lesson in why government by emotion, outrage, mob and fear always leads to the same thing the imposition of tyranny, the erosion and elimination of civil liberties and the empowering of would-be tyrants to no longer would-be but be so they are that they become the, the open tyrants so that's, it goes on and on and on but I'll put that up tonight too and this article is from Zero Hedge this one here Talks about St. Louis President uh, James Bullard drastically reduced his chances to be the next federal uh, Fed chairman, whereas the first to predict correctly that that uh, Q2 unemployment may soar to 30%, with GDP plunging 50%, an economic collapse that would make the Great Depression seem like a walk in the park. It's meant to, folks. You're not going to go back. And and the same, all the same. This this massive army of tyrants. You know, it isn't just medical tyrants and scientific tyrants and 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 you know secretive lab tyrants and all the rest of it working in collusion with. Uh, uh, well, that's what fascism really is when they're all working, private corporations working with government over the public. Regardless, uh, they don't plan on going back to any kind of. This is the whole agenda now for sustainability, and it'll bring a lot of deaths too. 
from other reasons, folk can't get into hospitals to get normal things done, uh, or they're going to say they can't afford to get it done now, blah, blah, blah. And um, and starvation will come along the pike, absolutely. This is this is what you get. The Soviets took over. They starved the people to death. They killed off all the, the little tiny little farmers all over the place. They went, they, and the, the breadbasket of the Ukraine, they killed over what, six to eight million of the peoples who lived. And the stacks of footage on the photographs. So it's just horrible what happened. They always do this. They did the same thing in, in communist China when, when they took over there to starve the people, kill the farmers, yada, yada, yada. Mm-mm-mm. That's what they do, folks, when they come in. And, and believe me, hunger is a great, great persuader to accept anything, including your little crust of bread. You'll be made to feel grateful for it. It almost makes me think to the other movie, awfully well done, by the way. Land of the Blind, it was called. Donald Sutherland was in it. And it's about a, a, a younger guy who was initially working for the military, who helps to overthrow the government, the tyrannical dictatorship, or king, or monarchy, whatever it was, and uh, install Donald Sutherland, who'd been in prison for years as a as a revolutionary. And then it turns out that once Sutherland's in, he becomes a tyrant himself, uh, with delusions of grandeur and wants instant obedience and so on. And the guy who had helped him to get in eventually turns out he speaks out against him and was put in terrible prison conditions and sort of confinement and all different kinds of punishments and torture. And uh, and part of the, the thing you're taught to say um, is when you're asked about what you like to eat and you, you have to repeat, uh, or what's better than a, a nice juicy steak? You say, uh, it's a, a nice moldy crust of bread. That's what you have to reply, or you're beaten almost senseless. And I, I keep thinking of that when I see these ridiculous things put out there by Bill Gates and others about eating different kind of uh, substitutes for meat and so on. It's just, it's, it's just too close. So much of this is too close. To, to what's happening today, how do you see it happening, and how you're supposed to be content with it, like George Orwell said, his job during World War II was propaganda. He, he ran the Foreign Affairs Department for, for India, as a broadcast to India that was fighting the Japanese on his borders and outside his borders. And uh, But he also did the, the, the cooking hour, where he had to convince people, he said, to, 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 had to eat stuff that was really uh, undigestible and not fit for human consumption because of the war. And uh, he had to try to convince them it was actually better for them and healthier. And they put these articles, oh, they're, they're, people have never been so healthy in their lives. It's just astonishing. It's astonishing. You know, the, how we're, nothing changes the lies and deceit towards the general public uh, for manipulation. And, and it's disgusting. It really is. Anyway, I'll get on with this here. So it's worthwhile seeing that movie, actually. It was quite well done. Anyway, this this Bullard warns of depression, a, a, a financial depression as possible. And he says Americans should wear a badge with COVID test results. They're on board with the same agenda, as you know. And this is, again, the tyranny that you, you must do what you're told and obey and whatever they want to pump into you, whatever, yada, 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 is the only way you're going to get out from and get any kind of freedom at all. And it won't be freedom, really. It'll be it'll be highly monitored, uh, uh, highly monitored society. So, and uh, this article is quite good, actually. 
but he's talking about it has an effect that uh, create a depression as a possible outcome, financial. Echoing other economists turned epidemiologists at the Fed. And it's true, they all suddenly become specialists on this, on board with the same agenda as, as though they're specialists in, in epidemiology. And Bullard suggested that the federal government could produce major incentives to create COVID tests, to produce enough tests for the entire nation so people would feel safe to restart their normal lives. It won't be normal, I've already told you that. Your, 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 your finance, your dollar or the pound or whatever currency you're using will be worth maybe a quarter of it was if the, the longer this goes on. And purchasing power. You know, so the idea would be to create a gold rush in production of tests. You know, gold rush, really. So, so again, the same characters that you'll be pally with are all going to cash. They're all cashing in and sponge off you uh, as they put you in prison. Eh? More, build more shackles. We all always pay for more shackles to imprison us with. Eh? Putting the cost of testing in context, it said this costing us $25 billion a day to have the shutdown policy, so tests would be easily affordable. We mean costing them. It's, it's costing the public $25 billion. They're paying for all. Why the focus on testing? Because we want to satiate the economy with this kind of tests. He said, why? Simple, as he explained to Americans would then be forced to display a badge on their clothing with the result of the test. I, uh, I, I, I can't let this just one just, just go like that. I really can't. Now, as I mentioned last week, doesn't that ring bells of familiarity here? Because if they get their way, you'll all have to apologize to Adolf Hitler, who said he had people tattooed. That's what the Nazi party supposedly did in the camps, and these massive camps they set up. I know they started initially with 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 the Soviet prisoners. They were used for lots of experiments, and then they then they branched off to other other types of, of groups as well, the Jews and the Gypsies and. And that they had even religious people who wouldn't consent to, to the Nazi ideology put in there too. Even even I think Seven Day Adventists even went in there, and other types as well. But they would tattoo them. Doesn't this ring out ring alarms a bells here? When you when you see the same things getting pushed from the top under the guise of science, hmm? and and again inside an atheistic society. Uh, where science would be pragmatic to do that, and very utilitarian to just to give someone like a technocrat put them put them in order, get or put them in charge to get the orderly things done without any emotional qualms and so on, and and bypass this silly thing of human ethics. For goodness' sake, it's so annoying having to, having to run round to the people because of their emotions and ethics, etc. Just get it done. That's what it's about. You see, that's what technocrats are for. And that's what they had. And the Soviet system, they made a, a, a sham of it, or a disaster of it, I should say. But they also did the same thing in, in Nazi Germany. And they did get the country on its feet awfully quickly, by the way, <laughs> when they tore up the debt to start with. And um, But they also gave, gave uh, uh, the scientific sector a free hand to do a lot of experiments and so on on people and prisoners. And tattooing was one thing, too, for identification. And don't forget, I keep thinking about Mengele, and the, the, we were raised on this kind of thing, that they were the most horrific people who'd ever lived. I didn't know at the time the Soviets had done it before World War II. 
on a lot of prisoners they got. They even had a, <laughs> it's horrible to contemplate, but I've got the old stuff here that I sort of sought out. And they, you see this long, long building, like barracks, actually. And, and there's, there's prisoners, and they had taken the skull tops off them. They're all lying in beds with their brains exposed. It's the first thing you see that the socialist systems do. Now you're another animal. Now we can go to, to, to town and just do things without qualms and, and having silly nonsense like religious rights and, and God-given rights and that terrible thing, God-given rights, eh? Now, if there's any rights at all, they'll give it to you or take them away, you see, because they're the, they're the real the, the gods or the scientists in a socialistic system. On behalf of the richest people on the planet, mind you, and uh, there, there was an awful lot of multi-billionaires left in Russia when the walls came down. Uh, but anyway, getting back to what I'm saying, doesn't that make the alarm bells off? The, here's Gates and MIT and the different groups working to give you a tattooed. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an advanced type of tattoo, mind you. It's like a circuit board really imprinted on your skin of all your data. And we've got to put a chip in you too with the vaccinations. And, and it's for your own good, you see. Isn't that what they always say? It's for your own good, eh? And then they can monitor everything you've ever done, and, and they can use it for your financial system too. How, how convenient. It also means that, that through a computer, if they, if they become a bad person, like Bertrand Russell says, the government, the state will just cut off your credits, the currency to your bank account, and that's you instantly. Electronic, eh? Isn't it rather odd they all had it right years ago? They, they knew exactly what they could do and where they were going to take along. And here you're going through the same thing uh, that came out in the Nuremberg trials. Bash, 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 bash. Look at these terrible, look at what they did. And it's getting presented to you again. And again by scientists again. Who want to do the Mengele stuff and put even odd things in your body perhaps. It hasn't even been tested, and especially in long-term stages. I just, I, I, come on here, folks. Uh, uh, listen to what this guy also says along the same vein, mind you. And again, this is, um, this is James Bullard, St. Louis president. And, and it says here, <laughs> he says, Another economist turned epidemiologist at the Fed is suggested the federal government could produce major incentives to create COVID tests and so on. But he also says here, he says, um, why the focus on testing? He says, because we want to satiate the economy with this kind of tests. But why? Simple as he explained previously. Uh, Americans would then be forced to display a badge on their clothing with the result of the test. Don't, don't you see something like repetition here of hell? Huh? Isn't that an awful... You're just going to put it down to coincidence. Huh? Are you really? Are you really? Huh? It's the same thing, folks, and they're in different, uh, different guises. But the same, the same excuse, it's for your own good. <laughs> and the folk won't get it, eh? And all, all these same types of characters dying to get into experiment on the humans, these, these silly animals called, the, the, you know, the human types. And the, the scientists are all a step above it all. They're, what was it Julian Huxley said? And Aldous Huxley says, we come from a line, a lineage of, of the scientific elite who helped rule the people on behalf of the dominant minority. 
So the dominant minority at the top, then the scientific elite, that's physical and psychological and so on, and now of course psychiatry and all kinds of behaviours, all managing populations, these vast herds of people. Eh? Mm-hmm. And repetition, repetition, same thing. And this is what this character's pushed. Eh? You get a badge on your clothing with a the result. There you go. Eh? Same. Where's the outcries on this? I'm the only person who's, who's connected this so far. Has anybody else jumped on it and taken it? I'm sure they must have, because folk generally do. <laughs> Never mentioned me, though. Quite amazing. I mentioned, too, it's quite amazing, because uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been pretty well um, shadow banned for years. Nothing to do with the real numbers of so getting in touch with me, is what you'll see. But some of the characters that you're used to following really put cash up too. To they can get you, you can get you hidden amongst YouTube and hidden amongst even bit shooting different places like that. They actually do that and put themselves in the front pages and all that. It's quite amazing to see what goes on with the people you think that you're that's speaking for you. Ah dear, what a dirty, dirty, the dirty tricks of the of the people, and you, and then they talk about the folk at the top doing the same kind of things. Ah, ah, ah. quite amazing. This article too is one trip per week, one person per household. That should be the law for grocery buying. The union says this is the grocery union. One trip per week, one person. This this is Canada. Now Canada is. It is it's almost communist China without the prosperity, you see. Uh, we're so goody-goody-goody here. We have been since Pierre Trudeau was the guy who changed it all here. And he, <laughs> well, you know, anyway, I could, I could spend hours talking with him. But regardless, um, we are, and, we, and it's going to be a, a really downhill run for a long, long, for years and years and years and years in Canada. We're so PC that we can't even save our butts if we had to, because you, you, you'd have to be honest and blunt to, to solve any problem. You can't do that, you see. Any problem. Uh, so here, here you, and the unions here, I've had stuff sent to me by different unions in Canada. And, and it truly is, is beyond Marxist. It's beyond, it's left of Marxism. And um, it's astonishing what they're all pushing. And nothing's ever happened. See, it's like progressivism means destruction of all that was. All that was. Often to reversing everything and to its complete opposite now. You see? Complete, I mean complete opposite. And it's never good enough, so you have to go into the next step, the next step, until it's just utterly ridiculous. Anyway, one trip per week, one person per household, that should be the law for grocery buying, the union says. Western Canada's largest private sector union is proposing that people be limited to one trip to the grocery store each week to prevent the spread of COVID-19 among customers and workers. So there you go. That's Remember democracy, too. Democracy, really... They often say it's mob rule. That's where the U.S. technically was given a republic, although they were run by a high elite ever since, from the founding fathers onwards. You know, and then they did graft on other members that came into the country. They were stinking rich as well, 
into their private club at the top, but it was meant, or public's meant to give you a fixed set of rules so, so that the mob rule can't take over. Plato went through the whole thing. He says democracy always leans to, into corruption, meaning financial corruption too, until the folk are broke, then you end up with a form of communism, and then that collapses as well. That's, that's the, route, the route that always goes. The Republic at least has a set of rules where you can sort of head any big moves off at the past before it happens to try to keep on track to keep things functioning to an extent. That was the idea behind it, even though I, just, I don't care what they call it now. Human nature is so, so corrupt and devious. Once they form their little clubs they can, and little associations, they can take over quietly, etc., etc. Because the public are never really told what's really going on. But... Um, this is, the, this is the union pushing this stuff, right? And then they, they've got the, they, and again, this is so much like the Soviet Union, right? Eh? Shoppers wait in line at a Calgary Safeway, keeping at least two meters apart with the help of lines marked in the grocery store's flat. You used to see the, the, the big long lines of, of the old Soviet system when they had shortages of things in some of the, some of the towns and, and the cities. Long, long lines. Britain had some similar during World War II with incredible rationing. They start to wait for hours and hours for two inches of butter and, a, and, a, and a, a, one rasher of bacon, you know, and, and stuff like that. That's a slice. That's your week. Yeah. So here they go again. It's just these same characters that rule the world. They say if they, if they took over the Sahara and they wanted sand to build or anything, they say there was a shortage of sand that was very expensive. Yeah. This, this is what they always do. And food's one of the first things to go for, too. Always, always. Because that's, that's what keeps you in food and water, folks. It's as old as the hills. That's why folk would, they, they would, the armies would put siege upon cities and, and blockade them. They couldn't get any food coming in. And you'd starve them into submission until they'd, they'd beg. Beg you to spare their lives, you know. And they'd be in, yeah, that's it. Always, always go for the food. I remember it was the head of the... United Nations Department of Agriculture, you know, for agriculture. And she was talking about food. And she said that. She said that, uh, I've got articles somewhere here still. And uh, she said that um, that farming was too important to be left to farmers. So the, the idea was to eliminate their little private farms and put them to big corporate farming, she says. But she says, she says but we, well, also, we don't just give food to other countries too. She says, we, 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 food is a weapon. We can use food as a weapon, she said. I heard another guy saying the same thing the other day, but he's reading it from my old archives. <laughs> he makes a living reading my stuff from my old archives, even verbatim, even Plato's Cave, etc. It's quite fascinating to hear it repeated and uh, as the way I used to get, including the, the, the stuff to do with, uh, with the ancient priesthoods that, that first gained power by studying the stars. You see across India and different places, these incredibly ancient... Uh, 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 astronomical sites where they studied them. They built these temples to study the stars, and and uh, and they knew when when eclipses were going to happen, stuff like that. And and uh, they did this eventually tell the public uh, that um, who, who were ignoring them, you know, uh, that the sun wouldn't uh, get blotted out that day unless they, they, they you know, and, they, and it would go out forever. And only they could bring it back if they brought wealth to them and respect and got down their knees and prayed to them. Sure enough, they knew exactly what happened and the sun is blotted out and, and then they throw their jewellery at them and so on and, and say, save us, save us. And then he's okay and he mumbles some mumbo-jumbo knowing that, of course, in a, in a minute or so the sun's back out again as the, the eclipse passes. 
and, and it's repeated the other day. I thought, oh, he's made a living off it. Still does. You know. Quite amazing. But never mention it. Never mention you at all. Anyway, I'll put this article too with uh, the union wanting uh, loyalty programs and membership cards could be used to track visits and peace officers may be needed to enforce regulations. That's the mob for you, you see. That's, that's where you, you get the mob that always decry. Everybody who's got any source, of anything you need becomes a tyrant, folks. That's it. That's what happens, you see. And Albertson's UCFW team up to reclassify grocery store employees as first responders during coronavirus pandemic. So there you go. So everybody's suddenly in the war. You see, they're all part of the, they're, they're, they're the front line in the war. Because it's a war. And you use war terminology. And just like war terminology, they, they go after folk who wouldn't go along with the war, you know. Oh, you, you're a bullshit, or you're this, or you're that. You know, you're a conscious objector, like a scum. And uh, same thing, of course, if you're going to go along with with what the big scientific socialists want, uh, with the, with all the stuff that they're going to roll out shortly to pump into you, you're, you're, they're stigmatizing you already in the public's eyes, getting you getting you ready for stigmatizing. Well, we all accept it. What's wrong with you? That's the mob rule. They use the mob against the people who see through things. And they're all first responders suddenly, you see, yeah. Going from boring jobs and, yep, yep, no respect, first responders, eh? And uh, there's another one too, is this article here. has to do with UK coronavirus death toll may be 40% higher than reported. See, now that they can't can't get the numbers up, they're getting new ways. Maybe they didn't change it. New ways of counting them now. New ways. It's amazing that, you know, I mean, uh, generally you only had the same way of counting things throughout your entire life, but they found new ways to do it. 4% higher than the report. The shock figures reveal fatalities outside the hospitals. Probably folk who need things done inside the hospitals because they can't get a bed now, eh? And it says here, the new stats show there were 13,121 deaths in England and Wales up to April the 10th compared to the 9,208. But again, I'll get back to what I'm talking about, all right? That's that's all the way up, right, to April 10th. That's like from January through to April 10th, right? But the new way of counting, 13,121 13, deaths in England and Wales, right? All up to April. But go right back. Go right back to what I said earlier there with the Minister for Health. I'll put the YouTube up, remember, for Britain, Mr. Hancock. Saying, we've got to remember, he says, you know, 10,000 elderly people die every month here. Normally. Every month. So you you keep all this, well, you see, don't fall for the numbers thing, you know. Uh, Baltimore PD wants 24 hour high definition, I guess, surveillance drones to enforce social distancing. Wow. Oh, Ohio-based company. Mm-hmm. Persistent surveillance is called. We'll probably all pay for that attack. We buy our chains over and over, don't we? Balls and chains. Yeah. So that folk can get awfully rich and being part of the new prison uh, surveillance society. Yeah. Disgusting. Eh? Another one, too. Who controls the British government response to COVID-19? Awfully important, too. Eh? Mm-mm-mm. The welfare of humanity is always the alibi of tyrants. 
That was from Albert Camus. That's right, they're always concerned about you. So as Britain heads towards the neo-feudalist governance and heightened surveillance micromanagement of society and an uptick in uh, fascistic policing of the draconian measures imposed to combat the threat of COVID-19, it's perhaps time to analyze the real forces behind this new normal. And he goes on and on and on about it. And they give you a graph from the UK column and demonstrate the lack of correlation between lockdown and saving lives. And that, that again, the numbers racket too is such a farce, honestly. Eh? As f- the only numbers that are going up are the unemployed. 1.4 million new benefit claims for welfare payments. That's just a, a probably in the month. Uh, and that starvation will come on the pike, eh? And you know that too. This is this is the whole agenda, folks. This is it. They're counting on it because we ignored their, uh, the World Economic Forum the last year. They they mentioned, oh, you know, the people aren't, the people aren't listening to us, and they're not. They're they're just consuming, consuming, consuming. They're not less, letting up on it, and they're ignoring the whole uh, climate stuff and oh, yada yada. So here you go. Well, And I'll put up two again. Uh, that was Dr. Scott Jensen talking about the ridiculous COVID-19 guidance. The Minnesota State Senator says Department of Health guidelines instructs doctors to list COVID-19 as cause of death without being tested. Uh, that's also, uh, it's just amazing. The ones that even have it in them, most folk have it in them, you know. You'll you find probably half the population would would find uh, either got the, the debris from it, the, the particles left, you know, in a test in their, in their sinuses if they've had it. And uh, they, they didn't even know it. Most folk don't even know they've had it. And, uh, but if, if you were tested with that and you, you were dying of some other thing, like cancer of the liver, so they'll put you down as COVID. That, that's, that's literally what, uh, and I'll put the Burks one up to her, where, where she mentions the same. She does it. She's all for it because I mean, she says that's what we do, you know. <laughs> no matter what really is killing them. And I'll still put that too. So again, YouTube's. And Dr. Burks, unlike some countries, she says if someone dies with COVID-19 in them, you know, we're counting that as a COVID-19 death. And she says that, uh, I think this is a country we're taking a very liberal approach to mortality. No kidding, eh? And I think the reporting here has been pretty straightforward over the past, last five to six weeks. Prior to that, when there wasn't testing in January February, that's a very different situation and unknown. Well, why are they giving you figures of it when the, like millions are going to you know, <laughs> die with them so if they weren't testing them? See? See what I'm saying? And, and uh, now that they are getting some tests, and don't forget, so many of the tests are false positives and negative. I've got so many articles from the different companies that they're getting feedback from the public on it and criticism too from the, the doctors that are using them and the labs that are using them, the kits. It's just astonishing. And that's part of the reason why they're saying, oh, you, you, you might get reinfected, actually. We don't know. Might, we're getting people who, who, who passed the swab tests, you know, and it came out negative, and um, and then they developed it, so even after they'd had it before. No, no, they had false positives before. That's the real, you find so many of them getting false positives. False, so they really are negative, and then they get it later on, so they test, but oh, they're getting it a second time. No, there was, no, it's not that at all. And that's what Foitchie's jumping on, he's hoping for that, is he try to play it, because folk are saying, well, why get out and work if it's been tested? 
And he said, well, there's no guaranteed you won't catch it again, you see. We need the vaccination. Well, if the vaccination is going to increase antibodies and you've already had it and now you've got, now you're past with negative now, it means you've got antibodies, your own antibodies, isn't it? So he's telling you, your own own body's antibodies ain't got no use, so so suddenly these synthetic ones will be? (laughs) I don't think so. It's an agenda. It's an agenda. That's why you're hearing such nonsense. And uh, I'll put this article up too. I'll also put another one up too, another doctor who uh, is in California, in Bakersfield, who's uh, come out and, and talking, uh, talking about it too, uh, openly, how a lot of people are dying because they can't get hospital treatment. And a lot of folk, a lot of the hospital staff in his area are just all laid off. Because uh, they, they'd shut everything else down and uh, waiting for the, these this massive spike of virus cases to come, and they haven't got it. That's happening in all different places too. So the doctors now are speaking out about it. So I'll put up his video as well, and his name is Doctor Daniel Erickson, and he goes through the same same scenarios I'm talking about here tonight. And uh, the damage that's been done to the people, you know, it's their sacrifice, really. That's what they're getting sacrificed. They can't get into hospitals for other things, other treatments. Um, and this is the start of it, folks, because these guys have no intention at the top of lessening up. And until you, t- yeah, you take your mark and you take you wear your little star in your clothing and you get a tattoo in your arm and an injected chip, etc. So the air masters have the herd uh, all identified and branded, really. That's what it's about. And that's what it is, folks. It's repetition. been done before. It's more advanced now because the science goes on and on, but it's the same stuff. And uh, by the same characters, of course. And, and there's no real... It, 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 we're all going to get this now, all of us. And this is what they're, they're determined to do for, to those that uh, go along with it. And they will use the general population as a stigmatize. It's a stand, standard tyranny to stigmatize segments of the population who see through it and won't go along. And they use the, the rest of the public to, to attack them even. You know, well, we, 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 we put up with that. We, we're eating less and we're, and we're starving and, and we took a took the chip and we, we took a tattoo and we've got my stuff in my clothing and, and, and we do what we're told and why can't you? Why can't you? What makes you so special? That's what they do, folks. It's been done over, down, down through history. That's what's done. Mm-mm-mm. So I'll put that one up there. And as Deborah Burks admits that uh, it doesn't matter what they're really dying of if they've got that at the same time, even if they presume it now, mind you, they're, they're, they're you know, because a lot of it's presumed and a lot of the, the, the tests are fake, but they'll put them down as COVID-19 anyway. And other doctor who's also a senator, I'll put, as I say, I'll put that up because he mentioned that, didn't he, that... Um, they were told, instructed that this little guidance thing by the AMA to put people, all presumed, presumed people down as, as diagnosed and diagnosed them with COVID-19, etc., etc. It's just such a farce that's going on. They can't get the numbers, you see. And um, they're adding people, again, who never tested positive for the coronavirus to its, to the death toll. And uh, this article here I'll put up as well. And that's from, it's a New York City uh, article here. New York Times actually put that up and 
This is the coronavirus death toll soared as officials added more than 3,700 people who had never tested for the virus but were presumed to have died of it because they're following the guidelines. See, to pad their, mind you, the more money in the hospitals, as that senator who, who is also a doctor said, uh, if they put down coronavirus, the hospitals get an awful lot more money per patient. And it's about double or triple that again if they get them on a ventilator. Just astonishing what really goes on, folks, behind all the dancing staff and stuff and all the all the PR, the war PR that you're seeing, eh? What really, really goes on. Money, money, money. It's always very simple, eh? It's always the same old things over and over. And um, they're trying everything they can, every, everything they can, isn't it? To, to get us to, to take all kinds of scientists again, not don't mention who they are, but scientists. It's like experts suggest the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine could protect against coronavirus after the BCG trials start. Says, eh? Oh wow, experts from the University of Cambridge. Wow, there you go. They must be real experts. Says the MMR jab, which is typically given to all infants from nine months old, could be the reason why children are not as severely affected by COVID-19. No, it's not. It's because their immune system isn't developed and they don't attack it with the overwhelming response of the of the, the, the your body's immune system. That's why. Mind you, too, uh, they're also querying why is, why is the adult's bodies attacking so viciously this thing? Uh, oh, and it's, it's your response. It's a cytokine storm, they call it. And um, the, it kills you, engorges the lungs completely, with fuses with the blood that you wouldn't believe, and until the oxygen can't pass through the other tissue, they exchange the gases. You just can't do it. So it's uh, it, it's because <laughs> personally, I really think a lot of folks have got awfully, especially in this age of massive allergies and stuff that their that parents and grandparents and great grand never had, eh? What changed in the meantime that could affect your immune system? What's targeting your immune system strain? Odd that, isn't it? We, we can't figure it out. It's just it's odd that. I don't know. But this article, as I say, um, they're trying everything here. Uh, and this will fall by the wayside again, like most things do. That doctor from Korea said that, that, that you've got thousands of, of different ideas and theories and, 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 and thousands of students come now even in medical schools with their new thesis on what might be, hoping to get a little brownie points and little stars, you see, gold stars. And um, so, and again, they've got their hands out too for, give us a few million, we'll, we'll do a test and see, you see. <laughs> Many, how lot, many staff you have? Oh, we've got about 10 in this particular staff. Okay. Yeah, but we'll probably need about 50 million, you know, uh, bucks. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So anyway, that's what kind of stuff they're giving you. And the United Nations Climate Change Fund calls coronavirus an opportunity to reshape the world. Well, I am surprised. I had no idea they're all the same groups involved in it with the same bankers and and, and the, the same United Nations agenda, all on board with the same things that they've always been on, all on board with them. It's the same bunch. 
And uh, so the UN-funded financial arm, the Paris Agreement, has labelled the killer coronavirus an opportunity to raise funds for climate change action and relaunch economies on low-emission, climate-resilient trajectories. The meaning you won't have gasoline cars, folks, because that was part of the agenda for the 21st century, the whole century, the defaze and all these different things, and eventually no private vehicles. They're already mentioning you're going to get the rental ones only, or just a sort of taxi-type system, no ownership will be allowed of private vehicles. That's that, that's in the other articles from Agenda 21. Well, it's the same thing you're reading all over again when you read this stuff, the Green Climate Fund, eh? With a, this, organize, this one organization has got a $10.3 billion budget. Well, there you go, eh? That's, isn't that nice? And uh, so, yeah, they're going to go down with it. I mentioned before, the Club of Rome's all on board, the big one too, Club of Rome. And the WHO is funded by Big Pharma and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundations, it says. That's from Global Research Canada. And by, it's actually, the story's by Dr. Joseph Mercola. I'll put that one up as well. And he does a good, a good expose on it. There's a little video there as well. And um, it says that, uh, well, he goes into the whole agenda here. And he, he knows his stuff, Mercola. He's been the goal for years and years and years. Another one, too, is, um, I mentioned it before, Bill Gates, the depublished agenda, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. calls for investigation. That was also up in Global Research as well. There's other papers, too. And Canada cuts number of stockpile storage locations for critical medical supplies by one-third in the past two years. But that's just coincidence. We live in coincidence series, you know, and that's for the masses. Coincidence, ah, well, coincidence, yep. So it cut the number of cities that store critical medical supplies from six to six from nine during the past two years, and over the past decade consistently underspent in the funding envelope that included stockpile management documents show. It's unclear, uh, though, how many warehouses there are in each of these cities and how that has changed over time. It's all secret, of course. And democracies will live in secrecy, you know. Under secrecy. And 2011 report said the National Emergency Strategic Stockpile of NESS was spread out across 11 warehouses, but it's, um, it's not so many now. It had 1,300 pre positioned sites or smaller depots containing medical supplies and equipment. At the House of Commons Health Committee uh, Tuesday, Sally Thornton, agency's vice president in charge of Stockpile, said about 1,000 of those smaller sites in 2012. It's not said how many uh, prepositioned sites it still operates today. Everything's <laughs> so secret in Canada. You know, it really is like drawing teeth, trying to get an answer. And um, China disputes the explanation. This is quite interesting because Canada, of course, really tries to appease every country on it. You've gone to its knees and, and because we don't like getting, well, the ones who run the country don't like getting any criticism. It, 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 it makes them feel bad. It brings tears to the eyes, you know. <clears throat> and um, Canada had um, a little dispute when they, when they handed over the woman who, who was the representative for Huawei, the big company, to the States. At that time, the States wanted her for their spat. And uh, China doesn't forgive you very easily, you know, it really doesn't. And um, so Canada sent off a c- cargo jets for, for, for supplies, for health supplies to, to, Canada, to, to China, right? And it says here, so China disputes explanation for cargo jets returning empty to Canada. 
because Canada had said that, that, that they were just too busy at the airport in China and we couldn't hang around that long, so to come back empty-handed. Really, this is the trash to tell the Canadians. You know, the cost of flying these things out there. Right? So it says, China's foreign ministry is disputing Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's contention that restrictions on how much time a cargo jet can spend on the ground in Shanghai played a part and why two aircraft returned to Canada without medical supplies. Mr. Trudeau asked to explain why the two planes chartered by Canadian government, surtax money, of course, to procure medical gear from China instead came home empty on Tuesday. Uh, first cited limits on the ground of time a plane can spend on the ground. That's what he first said. There are severe restrictions on the ground in China in terms of how long a plane can actually stay in their airports before having to leave, whether it's full or not, said Mr. Trudeau on Tuesday. It was not the only explanation he gave. Mr. Trudeau also noted that supply lines and shipments to the airport are difficult and interrupted by checkpoints and quarantine measures. In Beijing, however, a spokesman for China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs on Wednesday denied their limits on ground time for cargo jets in Shanghai. So uh, so there you go. Something, something, Somebody's been miffed, as you say, and we're getting punished for it. We're nasty, nasty. And... Um, and the ones at the top in Canada would be crying about that because we, they, they like to be loved by everybody and, and because we're so progressive in every possible way here, to, uh, you can't imagine. Uh, so, uh, and, and they will. They won't, they won't uh, get nasty in return in any possible way, like a tit-for-tat thing that everybody else does. When they, that's how the governments all respond to each other's tit-for-tat. Uh, but uh, there you go. There's another article about... Canada's relationship with China, which really upsetting the Canadians at the top. You see, they, they really adore the communist system, I think. It seems to be rather evident. But anyway, Foreign Affairs Minister Ambassador Mum, he's on, his mum meaning silent on Fan Wei, a Canadian sentenced to death in China. I guess Canada spoke up because this, this one was, was actually grabbed in China as Canadian. And uh, it says... Some of the most senior figures in Canada's foreign affairs establishment publicly distanced themselves from a Canadian man sentenced to death in China months after the rest of the Huey executive in Vancouver created new friction between the two countries. In speeches public testimony this year, Foreign Affairs Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne and Ambassador Dominic Barton have expressed concern for Canadians Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig. Uh, who on Thursday will mark 500 days in Chinese custody, as well as Robert uh, Schellenberg, who was sentenced to death last year on drug-related charges. And said, but neither ambassador nor the minister have mentioned Fan Wei, who, like Mr. Schellenberg, was sentenced to death on drug charges last year at the height of Beijing's rage over the arrest of Meng Wanzhou, who is chief financial officer. So if Canada complains, you see China tends to react rather quickly, because it doesn't have any guilt complexes about anything. They haven't trained their, their citizens in relative to fall back and jump into tears whenever they're criticised. And so Canada just goes to pieces when, uh, when, because they don't know how to put it across, you see. And they've, not, they've no, really, no chips to, to, to deal with anymore, to bargain with, because Canada, and I used to read the articles on air one time where Canada praised China as a model state for the world to follow. Communist China. So when, when your hero does something like this, what, what do you do? You know, when you've already, you're already fawning over them, what on earth do you do? You have no chips to bargain with. You gave all your trade, all your business, all your manufacturing over to China. You, you, you can hardly feed yourselves back home here. 
what do you do? What, what do you bargain with? So there you go. It's uh, This is what happens, you see, in the Department of Foreign Affairs, etc. But uh, as I say, they'll, they'll distance themselves from them and just go keep completely quiet and leave it all to China. And uh, so there you go. But personally, if, if, there are, if there are people involved in drugs and so on, selling drugs in the different countries, it's up to the country that catches on to deal with them anyway. I mean, that's just how it goes. We've seen the map. Look, look at the tent cities across the states and elsewhere, uh, and people and syringes everywhere. All caused again by the same characters who run behind the scenes. Your, your deep state. Uh, and your your secret societies, certainly the CIA, etc. They are secret societies, and all the the the, the bring them bringing in drugs and heroin for years, etc. Still doing it, of course. Big big massive black budgets. They've even made movies about it. It's so common and laughable now that there's no secret at all involved. It hasn't stopped, and of course many of their their black budgets are financed by directly from the drugs which they bought in and sold to American kids on the streets. That all came out years ago, and it hasn't stopped today. So, uh, yeah, everything you, you, you've been trained to believe in uh, is not there for you. It really isn't there for you at all. It's a rather evil system altogether. And you're trained through all through again through fiction that these are the like the FBI is the G men and they're they're just they're just they're so darn nice and honest etc. They could never tell a lie like George Washington and you're for, and children grow up believing all this stuff. They don't realize what the institutions really really are, especially the CIA. It's not there to help you at all. The agenda is vastly vastly different. And I can remember too. Uh, reading books about uh, from people who'd been in the CIA. And they always, always mentioned the Rockefellers, the old David used to come in. David used to come in and, and often for certain budgets where they didn't have certain money to get going on a certain thing, uh, he'd tie them over directly out of his own pocket to sign the checks over to them. I mean, completely intertwined, folks. Completely intertwined. Total monopolization of all natural resources, everything you need to survive. That's what it's about, too, you see. Still is. Now, interestingly enough, regardless of the years I've talked about the different foundations, and the Rockefeller Foundation, who also, he's also head of the CFR for a long time too, one of the Rockefellers, and uh, trilaterals as well, all the biggies that run globalism on behalf of the elite, uh, and all the, all the things that they've done in the past of taking over. Um, don't forget what Rockefeller himself said, old man, as he said that... Uh, Competition was a sin in re- reference to the fact that uh, the antitrust laws were coming and he tried to break up the complete monopoly that he'd taken over, he'd taken over the whole oil industry of the U.S. pretty well, and even had big uh, ties with railroad companies that would ban anybody else transporting oil on certain lines, etc. Incredible things were going on with Rockefellers because it was, it's nothing what you... You would understand, you're, t- you're talking about the world's real monopolies in banking, finance, uh, res- natural resources and, resources, and even food supplies. It's the same group down through time here running the whole darn thing. They put lots of money from for the NGO armies that they use, NGOs, uh, that influence public opinion. They put lots of money into education to help indoctrinate the children and in the particular way that they want them to think or believe and so on. This is how things are really, really done. It's not conspiracy. You can check it out and find out it's true. 
but there you are with their 2010 uh, summary, basically, of future emerging systems and so on, going through pandemics and what would happen to lock, use lockdowns, etc., 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 and bingo, when it, when it all happens, out from, again, uh, the Edmund G. Safra Center for Ethics at Harvard University, uh, you, you find the same kind of thing. That they're, they're supported by the Rockefeller Foundation. It's at the top of the page under the Safra Center. And out they come with what you, I expect, the technocracy, you see, who, who get this massive uh, article to the, or, or, or basically <laughs> an agenda to the government to sign into law. That's what it's about. And they want massive scale testing, tracing and supported isolation, TTSI, as a path to pandemic resilience for a free society. Do you, do you see the double thing? You're going to lock you all down and have you all spied on for a free society. This, this is the same stuff you, get, you got in 2001 and, and, the, and of course, the, the, the new freedom that Bush talked about that, that really is, is about half of the freedom as he used to have. And the rights too. So here you go. They've got the authors here who are all associated with the, the, the Edmund J. Safra Center for Ethics. Remember, a few weeks back, I gave you, I said, who's going to run this whole It's going to be the ethicists, you see, this new branch of ethicists. And they, they, they got, you don't realize you don't have any ethics of your own. You're just you're too simple and common. So they created this whole branch of bioethics and then cultural ethics, etc., and political ethics. Everything's to do with their new... Now they've put out religion again out the window. They used to have to hate doing, but they had to abate to an extent. Oh, and then people get upset. Get rid of it. And then they to replace it all with ethicists, you see. And they roll them out in television and in, in magazines and across the internet as professional experts in ethics. You see, as I said, you have no ethics of your own. You just don't realize it yet. So you need these folk to tell you. And so you have Daniel Allen, of course, and Sharon Block and Joshua Cohen and Peter Eckersley, uh, Meredith Rosenthal, Rajiv Sethi, uh, Divya Siddharth, all research fellows and so on. Microsoft too. He's he's in with Microsoft Research for India. It's amazing. A small world when you see who ends up ruling you on behalf of the elite, as they're all recruited, of course. And Eifler and Goslin and Go and and Anne Marie Slaughter. I've heard her before many times. Uh, down through the years, 66 University Professor Emeritus Emerita of Politics and International Affairs, Princeton. And uh, it goes on and on and on. Who's all took part? And it's very impressive. You see, you should be impressed by this. And the more you read the, the names of them and what they're involved in, the, the literary you feel, oh, I'm really tiny. I really am unimportant. I have no ethics at all. And, uh, and it goes on from there. Roadmap to pandemic response. The guys that came out with what they should be doing and so on using technology back in 2010 and how they lock us all down. Here it is, and here's the next stage of it out now of how they're going to manage you. Isn't that wonderful? And this is government's going to follow it. Because that's what they're, they're a think tank to the world, like the CFR. The, all their members are all, they're all, they're all members of all the same organizations, each other, you know. Often there'll be members of about six organizations all under the umbrella of this particular group. So it says, many of the undersigned do not typically take institutional positions. 
institution. Moreover, some may differ with aspects of the report and have stressed other matters of primary focus, but all have signed on as an urgent call to respond to a national crisis and have done so with the greatest sense of vital unity. I'm sure they will be part in all the same stuff. And they go through, they have the Breakthrough Institute there, the National Domestic Workers Alliance, you know, uh, the New America, uh, NISCA, Niskanen Center, that all the, all the ones we used to call communists, by the way, that quickly said we're often mistaken for the communists because we're the same goals. Well, here you go, you see, for the CFR and, uh, and the Rockefeller Group. Radical Change Foundation, the, the Radical Change, see, you see, this is all the same old groups with new names and so on. The Rockefeller Foundation, Santa Fe Institute, and the Third Way. The Third Way, remember that one too? And that was presented uh, to every member of Congress, the, the book too. The Third Way by Toffler. And a, a big, big, a big, big push for that one. The third way, you see, which really is a, it's just a culmination of the old system uh, that they had, where they were working through the foundations years ago to bring in uh, the third way. Of course, without calling it that, they said they would blend uh, the, the, the the capitalist countries of the West with the Soviet system, including the educational system, gradually, gradually, until they're both combined together. That came out at the, at the Rees Commission. And uh, Norman Dodd, of course, and inter- Norman Dodd uh, talked about it in different programs, and the book, it was in books, etc. What's well, the third way? You're, you're already there. You see, the big boys at the top ran all sides anyway for centuries. They work in long-term agendas. So they're going, they're going about Harvard Edmonds Jai Safra Center for Ethics, you see. And they seek to strengthen teaching and research, but pressing ethical issues to foster sound norms of sound norms, eh? ethical reasoning and civic discussion and to share the work for a community and the public interest. It's all for your good, you understand. And of course, they talk about crisis and the different crises that take shape and all that. And they need to connect public health expertise to economic expertise, legal expertise, political science, and philosophical ethic expertise. So these characters are combined with laws. They want laws on the books, and they want the right to write up the laws, you see, and crisis response and, and having the, the experts running everything. Technocracy is the other term for all, of course where you don't have any rights, you do what you're told in the new society, the post-democratic type societies. And uh, that goes for the states too, because the US was the base of this group that ran it all for a long time, and the public didn't know it. But it's becoming rather more evident to, I think, more all the time. <laughs> I hope anyway, <laughs> it can't be more evident. So roadmap to pandemic resilience, testing, tracing, and supported isolation. It's quite amazing to watch this as they, as they go through it all. And, and, but they, do you understand? You would never think of this because you're not trained uh, in ethics or law, you see. And, and you're not tra- You understand none of this is, is going to the public for any kind of uh, vote or, 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 or basically debate. It's to go straight to government to get implemented. And the government accepts it quite happily because they were the ones that also helped finance, finance this stuff. I am pretty sure of it. You there's no science here. They can look to, because the illusion, you've got illusion of governments that work independently of foundations and think tank. No, they all work. It's one big group, folks. It has been your entire life. Yeah. But it's got to have the impression and give the impression. 
this group just is another one giving advice to government, using all the top universities as usual, academia, and of course academia is a, is a big part of technocracy because they train the, the next generation of uh, uh, dumbed down people, that's what they do, and, and uh, really people who, who are selected from, for their own institutions and paid handsomely to be a traitor to their own people. That's how it works, folks. So it's, I'll put this article up, Roadmap, Roadmap to Pandemic Resilience, they call it, and it's a PDF as well, and how they're really involved in it, and mandatory this, mandatory that, etc., etc., etc. That's how it's done, isn't it? That's how it's done, eh? Advice. If anybody's panicking, and out come all the sudden experts with the sudden new types of degrees, and... And uh, I can remember when they launched the ethicists on television years and years and years ago when I used to watch it. And it was interesting how they did present it. To, uh, and they'd get topics that people get sucked right into that would affect everybody. And you'd be intre- and, and they start to, that's how they win you over, you see, with, uh, in the Bernays fashion, using the Bernays techniques. And then they start going on from, then you start to say, okay, I guess they're really more important than me. And, and, and they know more than I do, so I'll, I'll leave the decision-making to them. And then you're into technocracy, you see. And, and again, even here too, the same thing, all the left-wing agenda, which is really a right-wing agenda, because they're all both the same. They're two arms or two wings of the same bird. I've said it so many times before, and that's the meaning of the bird there too. They generally have, sometimes have a shield in front of the bird in different countries, to, meaning they hide what else is behind it, but they rule both sides. And they create, create peace or they create war, and again it's from the Bible, and the symbol of Manasseh, and Ephraim, of course, uh, withholding the arrows in one for war, and of course the olive branch for peace in the other. And if you don't accept uh, their, their terms, which they pretend is peace, they go to war with you and take it. However, this article is pretty good, and they go through the, all the recommendations to government, and the government will lap it up. See, when the experts have come forward, they'll never mention the general public. You see, it don't matter. But the government will put it across. Look, yeah, this is really important stuff. We'll follow this and put it into law. It's, the experts have done it. Well, rule by experts is not democracy, folks. It, it's agendas. And when the so-called expert, they're just technocrats. They can bypass, like the Club of Rome said, we want to, democracy doesn't work for us. That has to be eliminated to get everything done properly and efficiently. And that's, here you go. Interesting article. And it's a PDF from they themselves, the Rockefeller Foundation in partnership with them. And also the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. The same ones, of course, that had the big exercise before in 2019. And the uh, Center for American Progress and the American Enterprise Institute, all the same peanut groups as well, are in here too. And this other article too, which states in the U.S. have received the most payments. Guess who they are? Eh? And the IRS expects 150 million economic impact payments will be issued. They say. So here, we, how you spend the coronavirus stimulus check? If you're, I'll even tell you the experts how you spend it. Eh? Financial expert Chris Hogan says that Americans begin to receive their coronavirus checks. We should be in uh, conserve mode and avoid any unnecessary spending. Folk haven't had any money for the last few months. 
And you're not allowed to buy anything that's non-essential. It's not food or medicine. We're not allowed that anymore. Our, our, our daddies tell us, eh? our new daddies and mummies. So, um, millions of Americans got it. So they say here, I don't know if it's real true or not, but says millions got it. Barris has issued 158 billion worth of payments to 88.1 million individuals as of April 17th, with more on the way. And it says that here's we got it. who's who got the most. California got it. They had nine million one hundred twenty-seven thousand one hundred thirty-seven dollars so far uh, in the last dump of money, and the total amount of payments it says. Oh, and that's the number of payments, 9,127,137. Total amount of payments, it says, 15 uh, billions of dollars. 894,426,934. There you go. Texas is the second one. Got a number of payments, and uh, that, that was second for the biggest amounts of payouts, I guess, 7 billions, 812,382 dollars. And it gives you the total amount of payments there, too. And then Florida was next. Are you surprised, anybody? You didn't be surprised. And uh, number of payments, 5,481,798. Pennsylvania is down there at the bottom of the, this, this group anyway. It doesn't tell you the rest of them, what the rest of the state's got, so I guess nobody else really counts. You're not important enough to count, you see. So, uh, <laughs> so there you go. You get the crumbs, maybe, and this article too, talking about uh, how uh, this happened with the AIDS one. I remember very, very well with AIDS because AIDS too, they're all putting their hands out at the time too for billions of dollars and everybody's panicking through the terrible crisis and they're all going to die, United Nations and who, oh, we're all going to die. But, but 10 years' time, half the population will be dead. And by another 20 years, everybody will be dying of AIDS, they said. And, and the money was just getting tossed out all over the place, yada, yada, yada. Because uh, that's what these folk live on, these massive grants. That's what they all live in, all these different labs and scientific... They're just churning these characters out of universally. You wouldn't believe now. There's too many folk at universities, in my, it's my opinion, because we have no industry left to, for an, as an alternative to for a life-earning uh, earning situation. Too many folk all getting churned out with their hands out for grants from the rest of us. But at the same time, after a few years, well, you see, it keeps mutating. There's so many strains that we can't really get a vaccine for it. That, that was what eventually, which that's what they always conclude eventually anyway for these kind of things. Eh? So the coronavirus, COVID-19 has mutated to at least 30 different strains, a study reveals. Uh, I think there's 40, they said, in, in uh, Iceland, the study they did there. Uh, or was it 40% of the people had it and didn't even know they had it because it didn't even bother them. But anyway, this is the strains they're saying here in this article. It's mutated at least 30 times since it came out of China in December 2019. And uh, it says this could, could mean that one single vaccine may not immunize people worldwide against the disease. And so there you go, you've got a lifetime of, of, of uh, vaccines, I guess, all kinds of vaccines, just like the flus and stuff. And and uh, they'll try to get the right kind of strains for that year's type, uh, probably, as that's what they go through, and it'll be the wrong kinds, and ding, yada, yada, yada. Quite amazing, eh? All predictable, though. All predictable, so it is. As I say, don't forget the YouTubes, I'm going to put them up as well. And... Uh, Annie Bukasek as well, Annie's one up as well, who's into some of the, the this kind of situation as well.
and how early signs of the coronavirus were spotted, spread, and throttled. Information was throttled in China, because they're admitting now it was out for long before, even even January. And that's how it's done, isn't it? Eh? The experts have no idea how many COVID-19 cases there are in reality, there is, eh? and this is um, a good article too, I think, from the Ron Paul Institute. Uh, for the statements, the fatality of this virus is very high and there are far more cases out there than we know about. The strategy of insisting that both these statements are true at the same time has been used by politicians to implement lockdowns that have forced businesses to close and millions to lose their jobs. For instance, on March 12th, Ohio Department of Health Director Amy Acton uh, said that over 100,000 people are carrying this virus in Ohio today. They just, just, I can remember when they just picked a big round number They said 700 million at the time Or billion was it uh, when, when the bank crashes happened the last time And the federal said well, 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 Pick a number pick a, well, Okay we just picked this number It sounded a nice round number They had no idea what, what they need <laughs> That's what they do That's what we all do That's why they get promoted Because they're good con artists you know? They don't blush And, and so anyway uh, There's over 100,000 people carrying a virus in Ohio today the state began to blame it at stay-at-home lockdown orders that day. At the time, the World Health Organization, the media, and others were reporting that 2-4% of people with COVID-19 would die. <gasps> Taking the low-end 2% number and allowing for an incubation period, this would mean that two weeks after Acton's announcement, assuming that the lockdown was 100% effective, not a single additional person caught the disease, 2,000 Ohioans would likely be dead of COVID-19. But as of April 17th, more than a month later, and after a month of the disease spreading through the grocery stores and other essential areas of commerce, about 418 Ohioans have died of COVID-19. Clearly something doesn't add up. And I really mean it. These, these, these viruses sweep through. The, the, these, these, credit, the, these old folks' home. it's a death sentence to me. It really is cramming folk together like that. And, and they get visits from people from all over the planet. So if there's anything coming in or out, they, they, somebody's going to bring it in. And, uh, and even when the flus, they're the first ones to get all their shots. You know that. They're the first ones to get all their shots in these, these homes. And yet the, the flu sweeps through like you wouldn't believe whether they had it or not. I mean, I've watched this my whole life, and I've taken notes and, and kept stacks of records and all this kind of thing. Official records, eh? <laughs> so something doesn't smell right. But cramming folk together like that is, is just... And then you've got the hospices getting getting put down too, where folk are in there, they're, they're dying. When you get put into one of these places, you, you, you're, you really, it's estimated you might last a month at the max. And the, and the hospice type, you're, you're already terminally ill. So, um, and stacks of folks that say who are cancer patients who've had all their chemotherapy recently and all that, are, they're coming down with it too because they, anything will kill them then. You have no immune system for a long time. So it says, uh, so anyway, it says here, 24% of the people with COVID-19 would die. Taking the low-end percentage number and allowing for an incubation period, this would mean that two weeks after Acton's announcement, assuming the lockdown was 100% effective, there a single additional person caught the disease, 2,000 Ohioans would likely be dead. And uh, as it said, in reality, 418, and they would be in these homes and these the terminal places too, of hospices. And uh, 418 is... 
At the time, Acton was lampooned by some for presumably inflating the number of infections in the state. Indeed, the very next day, she backpedaled, saying she was only guessing. <laughs> That's when they caught it. I was just guessing. Yeah, there you go. But before that, it was 100,000 people are carrying it today. I'm just guessing, you know. And this is this is supposed to be officials. These are the folk who are ruling your lives, folks. Huh? They have no problem lying, eh? do they? Mm-mm. When people say the death rate or fatality rate, they generally mean the case fat- fatality rate, CFR. This is simply the number of people who die from a disease divided by the number of cases. If there are, are 10,000 cases and 100 people die from the disease, the CFR is 1%. It's not to be confused with the mortality rate, which is the number of deaths divided by the entire population. You see? And on and it goes. There's a plain number. This is standard statistical uh, finagling. This is, this is what people did. They, they, there's professional people who work in statistics. They, you know, have taken degrees and all this kind of finagling and fudging things. And you get employed by big companies. They use the stats all the time to try and convince the public of different things. There's so much chronology. It's, it's quite amazing. And it's very lucrative for them, too. And Facebook is accused of colluding with state governments to quash free speech as it shuts down anti-quarantine protest pages. And that's true. It did come out. And this is, this is, I think, from the Daily Mail. But it also came out, too, who, who they employed uh, as a censor, who, who is a, another doctor who works in labs. And she actually worked in the Wuhan lab as well. That is true. That's in her own site, the page there, she admits that. But she's the one who's, who's literally putting people down as fake news and having them shut down. This is truly, this, you're, you're really in. This is the Gestapo, folks, in so many obvious ways, the real Gestapo. And, uh, and folk don't recognize it. I wonder how many folk really recognize it was going to, with, with the censorship, of this, with the same technique, just, just putting up someone who says, I'm more important than you and I'm more qualified to say if this is true or false and you're supposed to go along with it, and who have actually shares in companies. In fact, the one, the one who's censoring them has, owns their own company for our testing kits. Should we get a look? Put her away too, I'm sure. The National Institute of Health, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundations, collaborate to develop the gene-based HIV treatments. Folks don't realize that too. They're in cahoots with everybody out there. You know, It's a club, you understand, that you're hearing from. And that was, that was from 2019, October 28th. And the National Institute for Health has announced plans to invest at least $100 million over the next four years to develop gene-based therapies for two diseases, HIV and sickle cell disease. And Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation will also contribute $100 million to the goal of advancing these potential cures with an aim towards providing affordable, globally available treatments that would be accessible to patients in low-resource settings. They, they do a lot of testing in Africa, too. And I think some of this things to do with it. And yeah, it's actually going to use it for Africa. They've been doing that before. Anyway, the, once you go into NIH, you can get the same old names that crop up all the time. And it's a small, small world you'll find at the top. And I've mentioned before, uh, Mercola, Dr. Mercola, I'll put that up as well. And as he says, the most dangerous philanthropist in modern history. Uh, it's, it's a good article, actually. And he, he's, he knows his stuff, too. And um, the YouTubes as well. And, uh, I'll put, it's good to take some YouTubes because you need them sometimes, you know, just to give you a little bit of 
Folk don't believe it. They only watch with, 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 with a mo- movements on, on a screen somewhere. They're so brainwashed. And we've been raised that way just for that purpose, you see. It's like, if, oh, it's on the news and on the TV. It must be true. It's like wag the dog, right? <laughs> but uh, CBDC, the overarching goal behind it, the digitization of money, another article, awfully good. Has COVID-19 testing made the problem worse? Confusion regarding the true health impacts, it says here. Good article, actually. Well done. And again, they have the different stats from Stanford and different study groups, etc., etc. Going through the same kind of thing of, of this incredible way that they're trying using statistics to try to drive up numbers, etc., etc. And... Uh, it said the Chinese Journal of Epidemiology, March 5th, 2020, the data-driven conclusion of the study, this is a particular one too, they did in China, uh, was that nearly half or even more of patients tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 did not actually have the virus. In other words, half the results were false positives. Because on all, this is so common now, folks. It's so common, it's just astonishing. That's a good article, though. I'll put that up too. And... Um, the ID2020 and partners launched program to provide digital ID with vaccines. Isn't that comforting for the big, big masses of people? And uh, you'll get your little tattoo and your little chip in that, and, and you'll be all safe then, and, and you can go and join the big, big, the big herd, you see, uh, that bow down to the, to the god of science, you know. It's astonishing. ID2020 Alliance has launched a new digital identity program as annual summit in New York in collaboration with the government of Bangladesh and Vaccine Alliance and Gavi, the big one that Gates and the rest of them are involved, and new partners in government, academia and humanitarian, all the NGO and humanitarian relief groups, government and academia, who are all on board with it too because they get big paychecks and grants as well. You know that. Small world, eh? small clique really. So they're going to leverage on immunization as an opportunity to establish digital identity. It's unveiled in ID2020 in partnership with the Bangladesh government's Access to Information Program and Directorate General of Health Sciences and Gavi, according to the announcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they're pushing it. Um, and they want, they want it for the whole world. You all get your turn at it. And your little thing for your, cloth, your, your clothing, too, to mark you. So that they can they can tell you're a good branded little cow or, or bull. You don't want to be a bull anymore. You'll be going sterile, I guess, in the West. But you'll be branded. That's what you do. You brand them and you can chip them as well. And it's got all the data and the chip and you're going to get one as well and a little tattoo. Isn't that wonderful? All reminiscent of something that happened before in the 1940s. But folk are just too... But this is for our own good, just to keep us safe, you know. Yeah, and uh, GP, a general resigns from medical council in Ireland over systemic failures to protect nursing homes amid the COVID-19. As I say too, they're actually demanding that, that some of these nursing homes, uh, uh, the old age homes I should say, that's really what they are, uh, they're demanding in New York that they're taking COVID positive or symptomatic people. To the group that isn't symptomatic. Well, you see, that's <laughs> what you want to spread. You want to do it, sure you. But it does make sense that it's meant to happen. Obviously, Mm-mm. they're not that dumb. 
And, and again, because of, as I said before, with all these false positives, and because folks say, well, we've probably got natural immunity now that we've had it. A lot of folks say they've had it and have been tested. They've got, they've got the antibodies for it. So immediately, you know, Fauci and the rest of them come out with, who've all got, who are really in the vaccine industries, folks. Come on, come on, come on. And they say, you may catch coronavirus more than once, says the World Health Organization. Doctor Who again, eh? And... Uh, so the world tell us, it says, warn Saturday April 20, that recovering from coronavirus may not protect people from reinfection as a death toll from the pandemic approaches 200,000 around the globe. And government, and mind you, a lot of them are presumed positive and, and just getting stuck in with it regardless. <laughs> they pad the figures. And um, it's supposed to be like, like like maybe hundreds of millions of folk, uh, even in their own countries at the start of it. Eh? This is global. Governments across the world are struggling to limit the economic devastation unleashed. But what we're trying to limit is the devastation because we're all ordered not to work. Total, total shutdown leads, leads to poverty and also even less food. And then no food from farming and then starvation. Isn't that amazing, eh? The old Bertie Russell said, they really need something like the bubonic plague to sweep through the population every generation or two, he says. He also meant to with starvation, all the old techniques, you know. And retirement funds for the federal military retirees may soon be investing in China defense firms. No kidding, eh? That's the U.S. ones. There you are. Your, your enemies, they are, they're going to have you cold all your pensions and stuff. Wow. Quite something. It really is. It really is. And as, as I put Dr. Burks, as I've mentioned before, if someone dies with a COVID in them or testing, like like the swabs and stuff, we're counting that as a COVID-19 death, no matter if they're terminally ill, cancer is killing them or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Again, the PR pieces, they, is, they, is they give the star qualities to try to promote people in, in countries, so these doctors that get put up there, especially the women ones. The one in Canada is leading the fight against vaccine skeptics. It's just helping to stigmatize the people who who have their own opinions, and they're entitled to have their own opinions, and that's what being an adult is. You can come to your own conclusions, and you can't be forced to go along with someone else's conclusions. Uh, that's what being an adult is. It's a freedom of thought, and some people at the top had to get reminded that we're not in a communist country here, or, well, at least not officially, you know or Nazi, or, or whatever else they want to call it, tyrannical, or you name it, dictatorial, regardless. But the fact is, no, you don't, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't stigmatize people here that have a different point of view for many good reasons. That's why the West got on so well for such a long time before it was taken down deliberately. Uh, John Whitehead's commentary, suspend the Constitution, please state uses crisis to expand its lockdown powers. I'll put that up too. And uh, I guess for the Rutherford uh, Institute, I think, I think it is. And uh, but anyway, good articles he's put out once in a while too. And uh, then again, we've got uh, so many articles, I can't go through them all naturally. But uh, that'll do for tonight, I suppose, because like, what time is it anyway? Oh, yeah. I'm well over it. What I'll do tonight, though, is just mention uh, the last one I'll put up is, is George Carlin, the comedian, the late comedian, on uh, on on, on uh, germs and viruses. 
from a talk he, he gave quite a few years ago, a link up to his little take on it. And you, you need a bit of humor through all this craziness too, because that's the biggest thing you have now is stress, because you're living in an abnormal existence now under mandatory lockdown by your betters, the new scientific overlords, you see, which are technocracy, technocracy really, uh, and you've, you enter a whole new way of living or existing. I wouldn't call it living, but what they plan is a form of existence. And, uh, and you're not human anymore, you're an animal. And you've, you've been trained to believe that through all your programs you've watched, just like Mr. Attenborough, who has made some amazing things about culling off the pop, big population out there to save the animals on the earth. He knows better because he's a guardian of it, you see. Something. He doesn't believe in a god, I guess, but I guess some animal must appoint him as the guardian. Uh, just astonishing, the arrogance of them, isn't it? When they talk about everybody else. And of course, Prince Philip said the same things too. Well, he says, you know, we know, we, we, we royalty know, we have these big drums, we have people, you know, the, the little people that manage it all for them, and, and they manage the herds of deer. And he says, sometimes you get some animals, it's becoming profuse, and, and you've got to have a culling, he says. Prince Philip, he mentioned that when he talks, I think, I remember if it was in Switzerland, I think it was years ago, quite open about it to his own peer group. And he, he loved the furry animals, that was, that was the excuse he gave too for the World, World Wildlife Fund and the and the different groups he belonged, he belonged to them all actually. And uh, they had the best farmland across Africa and they wouldn't live anybody, they, they took it all for reservations and conservations, for, reservations for animals and conservation and they wouldn't let people on it. It's amazing what goes on if you just stop and look at it all and do a wee bit of investigation. It doesn't take too much. Anyway, I'm sorry you go on for so long here. Maybe I, I should really rein myself in a little bit. But again, these are trying times, aren't they? And people really, um, really need to know that uh, hell doesn't last forever unless you let it. And it really is up to the people out there. You, you start you start speaking up for yourself. Don't allow bullies to shove you and shout at you in lines and things like that. This is not a prison camp, this prison uh, that they've created for the whole planet here. It's not a prison camp. No way. And you're not a prisoner. And no one can appoint another little character that sits in the toilet the same way you do and does the same things that you do and flush it and the whole thing. Uh, and given a little cap or whatever it happens that they're given, even a white coat, is when he starts screaming at you like you're some kind of peasant, you know. No, 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 don't, don't, don't start going, just don't, most folk back off, you know, they're, they're afraid of conflict, like they showed you in Fight Club, eh, as they tried to get folk to fight back. you you got to start standing up for yourselves, and, and you get a voice in you and say, hey, you, hey, get off my back, you. And you call them, you, you start using the names that they call you for other things, you know. You gotta start doing it. Put them in their place, because once you start, once this starts, you know, in totalitarian systems, it comes right to the bottom. Anybody with a little, including the the folk at the grocery stores, suddenly they're important and you're nothing, and they scream at you as though you're a real peasant. Well, stop caving into it and stand up for yourself. You've got God-given rights and you've got to start reminding everybody of that, including all the different scientists that are using their positions to get a social agenda through. A big, big agenda through. It's completely outside of, of the excuse they're giving. 
and your hearts definitely go out for the folk that have suffered in, in these different uh, old age homes that spread through like wildfire. And the folk to her die who can't get any hospitals for, for treatments that could save them for other things. They're all banned from getting in. <laughs> and our folks too, dying quietly at home. As they have heart attacks and other, other kinds of problems. Everything's done by phone, eh? Oh, how bad is the pain in your chest? Well, you know, well, maybe it's just heartburn, you know. That's what it's come down to. It's a lot of these hospitals are sitting pretty well empty. The staff are bored stiff. As I say, that other doctor from California in Bakersfield listened to him talking. He does a good long talk on it. Remember, folks, you can always donate to me at cuttingthroughmatrix.com and check in to see what I have there, the, the discs and so on I have for sale. But straight donations, too, are awfully helpful because I I really I, I don't sell anything else to you. I don't sell you anything to me. you live forever. And I don't give you any conflicting uh, information, as far as I know, about what's really happening. I just give you the facts as we know them. And even then, you have to check and check and delve into it to make sure they are uh, completely true and not put out by intelligence agencies. A lot of stuff is, of course, and because you're living in an amazing world of intelligence and counterintelligence, and no way under the sun are they going to let out, uh, let the public just go all the way and have any kind of truth to themselves. So, yeah, you can put out donations to me, send them to me, cuttingthroughmatrix.com. And as I say, it's listed and how to do it and how to send it by check, whatever, PayPal, whatever method you want. And hopefully I can keep on going for a bit longer because uh, things are really tightening up. This is the last big push now to get uh, a good part of the agenda through. Awfully important to them. They won't back down their uniform. It's like weapons of mass destruction. It doesn't matter what, what talking head that's presented to you from the authorities. They're all saying exactly the same lines from the same script, obviously. Thank you. Anyway, look after yourselves, and I hope you're all standing up for each other as well during these times. You've got to start helping each other out. You've got to. Because uh, if you don't, what happens when it's your turn and you've got nothing or whatever? Somebody has to help you out too. And that's, that's how we get through these nasty, evil times. And as I've said before, not a generation that I know of has ever had peace here from war, from these characters, these tyrants. Uh, or financial collapses and uh, all that kind of stuff. It's the same stuff, same people doing the same techniques again. And you have to, that's how you folk get through is with each other, the ordinary folk. The ultra rich are all working from home. Oh, the, the, the middle upper classes, upper middle classes, the, the, the real rich have fled the countries and they're off to private islands and so on. Lots of articles about them. With their own private medics and doctors. There you go. Anyway, take care of yourselves. From myself, Alan Waterman, Tiro, Canada. It's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.